And welcome to another episode of the What's Good Games podcast. You are source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff every Friday. I'm Andrea Renee, joined by Miss Brittany Brombacher. Hello from the other side. I feel so far away. Where's you she? are you far, are far away. away. You're like several hundred miles away. I got the FOMOs. But we're going to see you very, very soon. Okay. And by we, I mean me and Miss Christine Steimer. Hello. And Am I going to see her soon? Yeah, you're going to oh. see her in like two weeks. I'm also seeing her soon. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Hey, I'm Alana. <laughs> and special guest Alana Peters is in the studio ah, with us this week. I think I'm seeing you next week because you're going to Dice, right? I am. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'll be there. Yeah. Okay, fine. That's exciting. I'm going to Dice, too. <gasps> I'm not. Cool. Aww. Can't wait to go to Vegas without you. <laughs> okay, Why bye. don't you just like play hooky from your real job uh, and just come to, come Vegas, to Dice? Yeah. yeah okay. okay. <laughs> okay well we did She's it super well, excited so about so um <laughs> speaking of dice uh we of course are referring to the academy of interactive arts and sciences annual summit that happens in las vegas the dice awards are taking place on thursday february 13th you guys can watch that on the internet i believe it's on twitch it's going to be on youtube it's going to be on a variety of Media outlets, websites, and um, friend of the show, one Greg Miller and Jessica Chobot are back hosting again. Mm-hmm. They're it's great. It's a good one. They I like are. it a lot because it's yeah. like it doesn't have any marketing and it's they let the speeches go on really long. Dice mm-hmm. Awards are like probably my favorite to watch show. So yes, they are peer voted, which is unlike the Game Awards, which happens in the fall, which we are part of because we are one of the voting juries at the Game Awards. But it's great because it's peer nominated, peer judged, and peer voted for all of the categories and so I think it's really awesome to kind of see like who the industry yeah. is voting for and I think it's going to be a very different group of winners than what we saw back in December. Have we seen the nominees like is Telling Lies nominated for a bunch of stuff? Uh, they did release the nominees I believe. Because that's one that I feel like the industry really likes but then most people are like what is this game? Who? Yeah so that was the game that <laughs> was all FMV right it was all from full motion video. Yeah. I, it's a follow-up to her story. No, not a follow-up. I guess it's just a, a, the latest game. Similar. From yeah. 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 But like everyone's like, oh, it's so well written. No, oh, it's incredible. But it didn't get any love at the game awards. Well, sure did not. Did not. I thought, no, we didn't vote for that. We didn't. Nah. We didn't either, to be fair. Mm-hmm. Funhouse is also on the board. We, we did not vote for that either. <laughs> but it's good. It is good. It's a good game. <laughs> That's what happens. When We're we... just too dumb for it. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, I do have the Dice Award finalists. They are available if you go to interactive.org. You guys can look at them all for yourself. Um, there's a bunch of different categories, so I'm not going to go through all of them here. How about I just read who the finalists are for Game of the Year? Mm. So the category is filled with some interesting options when I looked at it the first time. Um, and I'm, oh, they have a portable Game of the Year category. Oh, cool. 
So let me get down to the bottom here. Okay. It's Control mm-hmm. by Remedy and 505. Death Stranding, Sony Interactive and Kojima Productions. Disco Elysium mm. um, by, is it Zaum or is it Z-A-U-M? I have no idea what the, how to pronounce I've the name of I've kind of been studio. saying Zalm, but... Zalm? Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, Outer Wilds by Anna Purina and Mobius Digital. And Untitled Goose Game by mm. Panic and House House. No, Resident I'm actually, Evil 2? No Resident Evil 2. No but Sekiro? that Goose Game, though. I... The fact that Sekiro is not there, but Untitled Goose Game is, is a little bit of a head-scratcher to me. Because while Untitled Goose Game, very fun and whimsical, I don't know if it was really breaking the mold with game design. Mm. Yeah, that's fair. Sekiro is my game of the year. I feel like the the dice board, I don't know who it is that actually votes, uh, would probably go Control. That would be my guess. Is it Control's going? I would guess Control, too. Mm. Control or maybe Death Stranding. Out of Wilds is also very good, though. Mm. A lot of good games. Yeah. A lot of good games. Yeah. Okay, uh, enough being sidetracked by the Dice yeah, Awards that's happening next week. <laughs> I mean, it's good, though, that we're talking about it because we won't be doing a regular show next week because we're going to be in Las Vegas. We have our very special Games of the Decade podcast that we taped a couple of weeks back. We know a lot of other outlets and a lot of other shows were kind of running down their top games of the last 10 years, and we didn't want to miss out on that. So it's a fun show, a little walk down memory lane. I spoiled it last, from last week's show a little bit for mine. But Just for fine. one. Just for one. There's yes. so many more that I'm sure you could At also guess. At least nine. <laughs> well, we picked oh. three that we agreed on together that all three yes. of us were like, we like this. So it's like the what's good games, top three games of the decade. Mm. And then we each picked our individual five. Mm. Okay. So. That's a big number. That's yeah. a lot of games. That's yes. cool. It's a, full, it's a full show. Which one did you spoil? Can you spoil I, it again? <laughs> yeah. I spoiled Guild, Guild Wars, Wars too. <laughs> oh, Interesting. That is a good MMO. Mm-hmm. She put over a thousand hours into it, so it had to make her nerd. It's like twelve hundred. It's my yeah. favorite MMO. Neverwinter yeah. is also very good. Mm-hmm. Not as good as Guild Wars too. That's my hot take. Hot take. <laughs> That's my review so, of your list so, so far. Hot take of the show. <laughs> Let's go through a couple more announcements. Brittany, you want to kick off these PAX East uh, goodies? I would love to kick them off. All right, <laughs> that sounded real dirty, right? Yeah, why'd you say it that uh, way? I don't know. Yeah. I just, that's what like, I bring. That was a choice you I made. I think of like shoes. I don't know how, I mean, people are in defeat. To me, so it sounded aggressive. Yeah, I'd love to kick them off. <laughs> <laughs> kick them off a cliff. But why? Aggression. Like a lemming. It's part of my mysterious charm, Alana. Mm. Mm, All right. That's also creepy. Anyway, so we got our PAX East panel Saturday, February 29th at 5 p.m. Eastern time at the Bobcat Theater. I believe this is the theater that does not allow us to stream. That is correct. We will be video recording it, and you can listen to it and watch it later. It'll be great. And Rihanna Emanuel will be joining us. She's lovely. You should check her out. You'll be seeing more of her, maybe. And then we have our PAX East meetup Friday, February 28th from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern at Lucky's Lounge Sinatra Room. All ages. No PAX badge required. Correct. Bring the family. It'll be great. And then we have our PAX Patreon streams Friday February 28th from 12 to 2 p.m. PM Eastern. So Andrea knows all the logistics of this more than I do, but it's one of those little streaming pods that we're going to be hanging out in. Yeah, so PAX has been doing this for the past couple of years to really encourage content creators to make content at the show versus recording it and posting it later. And so they have streaming pods. And we thought about doing something with them in the past. And this year was the year that we decided, okay, Let's try the streaming pods out. So we're going to be doing a little bit shorter streams than we normally would do for our Patreon exclusives. So they'll each be about 45 minutes in length. 
um, starting around noon and around 1 p.m. respectively for the happy hour Q&A and the after hours stream. But we thought it'd be fun to do it like live from PAX. So if you guys have never joined us for one of our exclusive Patreon streams, of course, patreon.com slash what's good games. You can get all of the details on those. We'll be posting those links in the coming week or two because PAX is two weeks away. <laughs> that sounds right. Two? Oh, God. No, three. Is it three? This is the first week one, of February. One, two, three. Okay. Yeah. We still got some time. Don't you be taking February away from me like that. <laughs> I've been I've been in my calendar booking things left and right. So I've I know just it's lost a short month track already, but like <laughs> But it is a, it's the longest February though. Yes. Because it's leap year. Uh-huh. Huh. Mm. Mm. Twenty nine days. Also January was five weeks. Twenty twenty is long. Yeah. Yes. It's long already and mm. it's just begun. Yeah. Um, and as we already talked about, um, Dice is happening next week. So that'll probably do it for our PAX announcements. And we will, of course, be reminding you guys of those over the next three weeks. <laughs> um, thank you so much to this month's Patreon producers. Chewie's Godson, Alex Rogopoulos, Daniel Hull, Ferris Atay, Mohammed Mohammed, Marcus Brown, Daniel Hull. I read twice because you put it in there and then I, I put to it in there you. too. You tricked me. And Punctified, welcome to our Producers Club. And welcome to our Patreon community. Brand new signups for this week. We've got Scott McKeon, Jeff Easton, Jordan Guy, Orlando A. Avalos, Costa Kokinos, Kevin Brown, Josh Gamez, Alan Johnson, Daniel Hull, Chance Otwell, Josh Reed, Christopher Boney, Ale Moreno, Jeff Rubin, Hannah Johnston, J.R. Swantz, there's a lot of names. Whoa. There's a lot of signups this week. Um, all Samario? All Samario what? All Camario. All Camario. This Just one's my favorite, even though you want to fight me. Pineapples on pizza are wrong. Fight me, Andrea, is literally the name they put in Patreon. That's just so I would read it out loud. Kind of amazing. Because uh, there was somebody in the Mythic Patrons who was pineapples on pizza forever or something we have to look it up mm. um and then this is obviously a rebuttal uh miranda gruba <laughs> and lauren curry welcome to patreon.com slash what's good games as we mentioned you get all kinds of cool exclusive stuff you can get swag you know free drinks if we see you at shows stuff cool stuff stuff oh we have a pin we didn't mention the pin oh we have so a we're pin. doing a pin for packs a pack cool. and it's super 2020 exclusive pin cute. it's really cute. That's super it's cool. like the cutest shit i've ever seen mm. so you know, big. I don't like a lot of shit. I was gonna so. say that's really <laughs> true. It's true. We'll take the compliment where we can get it. Um, and shout out to Matt for his design. We'll be unveiling that, of course, on social media. If you aren't following us at What's Good underscore Games on Twitter or at Facebook.com slash What's Good Games, what are you waiting for? Hit An that invitation. Button. Here it is. Do it exactly. <laughs> and Brittany, we've got a bunch of new podcast reviewers we this do. week too. Thank you for these glowing five stars, Lex Magana Rubrish. Prince Jafar, who in their five-star <laughs> review said Jeff is his favorite. Don't understand that, but thank you for the review. Uh, Jeff is... <laughs> I could be Jeff. You could be Jeff. Okay. <laughs> if you want. My guess you was that you. he was either listening to DLC right. with our friends Jeff Kanata and Christian Spicer, or he was listening to the Bombcast with Jeff Gertzman, and then <laughs> somehow clicked on our podcast and gave us a five-star review, which we'll, we'll, take, we'll take it. it. We we'll take, take those. <laughs> we'll take it. Don't care. And then we got Reekable Llama, Orange Saurus, <laughs> and Jesney123. It Thank looks you. like it's supposed to be respectable llama, but there was a typo because yeah. the S and the A are I next can't to each other. That at all. I kind of like repectable. You wanted your own name. 
Um, but we do really appreciate you guys taking the time. We know that monetary support is not available to everybody, and a great way to help us out is to leave us a five star review on your podcast platform of choice, even if it's accidental. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> yes, exactly. I too love Jeff. <laughs> Thanks, whoever Jeff. that Jeff may be. My favorite. Um, but that is going to do it for our announcements. So let's get into the news. And this week, it's brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in the men's below-the-belt grooming department. Manscaped, of course, offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. I like that. It's right. good. It's a nice good. little poem for Valentine's it's Day. Guys, guys, <laughs> listen, guys, listen up. Listen up, everybody. Valentine's Day is just around the corner, and you don't want to be that guy with the bush or that nerd who just cut his balls prior to getting it on. Ouch. Whether you have a Valentine or not, you need to be prepared to look good down there. You never know who you're going to meet. This is true. Be prepared. Yeah. At all times. Yes. <laughs> now, if I had male genitalia, now this is where I would probably tell a hilarious story about how I hurt my balls trying to trim stuff up down there. But since I don't have balls, um, I don't really have a ball accident story to tell you. But don't forget, ladies are just as susceptible to grooming accidents. Even if we don't have balls. They still hurt. We have pain receptors as well. Exactly. But I think what we really want to just remind you of is the hilarious outtake from this ad read that we did last week, which if you missed it, Brittany kindly posted on Twitter. I did. Where I said, you want to trim your balls? And then we're all like, wait, no, nope. That was, that was not right. That was incorrect. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, I digress. Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineered team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created. Created and just released a new and improved lawnmower 3.0. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to prevent manscaping accidents. Millions of balls are about to be nick free thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin safe technology. Now, when we tell you this is premium, we mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. Boy, that's a really long shave. Maybe <laughs> you should just save some of those minutes for multiple shaves. <laughs> Just bank them. It's a long time. Exactly. <laughs> One of the coolest features of this is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. Plus, they've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology to keep your trimming nice and private. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a rapid charging dock powered by USB. Get yourself or your partner the best gift this Valentine's Day, the Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0. It's a gift for both you and them. Get 20% off and free shipping with our special promo code What's Good at manscaped.com. Always use the right tools for the job. Your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with that promo code What's Good at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com with promo code What's Good. Stay sexy this Valentine's Day and manscape. I'm in support of it. Mm-hmm. Me Do too. it. Listen, I don't know a single person who's not, but listen, if a big bush is your thing, that's okay, too. Yeah, yeah. That's not that's true. But you still got to, like, you know, keep it, you know, proper. You can't let it go totally wild. Someone Trim could be the in forest. I mean, there's people, <laughs> there's something for everyone. No. There really is. Yep. It's, it's true. Um, on that note, let's actually get into the news. <laughs> 
First up in the news, take two stock dips as rock star scribe Dan Hauser announces departure. This write-up comes from Ars Technica. Rockstar co-founder and creative vice president Dan Hauser will be leaving the company in March, quote, after an extended break beginning in spring of 2019, end quote, according to a document filed with the SEC by Rockstar parent company Take-Two earlier this week. He wrote... Well, I shouldn't say he. The document says, After an extended break beginning in the spring of 2019, Dan Hauser, Vice President Creative at Rockstar Games, will be leaving the company. Dan Hauser's last day will be March 11th, 2020. We are extremely grateful for his contributions. Rockstar Games has built some of the most critically acclaimed and commercially successful game worlds, a global community of passionate fans, and an incredibly talented team, which remains focused on current and future projects. Take-Two stock is down 4.86% in early trading following the news, dipping to its lowest level since December 9th. Hauser has been instrumental in creating Rockstar's rise, satirical voice over the past few decades, serving as the writer and co-writer for most, or co-writer, I should say, for most of the company's best-selling titles, including Grand Theft Auto, uh, including the Grand Theft Auto series. Hauser's brother, Sam, who co-founded the company with Dan in 1998, serves as executive producer on most of Rockstar's products. He will continue to work and his role at the company remains unchanged, according to a statement from Take-Two um, after this news was released. So it's interesting to me that this story broke from an SEC filing and not from like an announcement from Take-Two. It's kind of surprising, kind of not, though, because they've always been such private people. It makes sense that they wouldn't want a grand spectacle of like, hey, we're leaving. It's kind of like, let's just do this on the DL and it'll get out. But at least we don't have to be front and center with it. I mean, I... I appreciate that, but they are a publicly traded company and those, the houses are like instrumental to the fact that Rockstar is the success it is and why Take-Two's stock is valued at what it is. Because without them, it just, it would not be. If we look at the rest of Take-Two's portfolio, it's good, but it's not Rockstar. That's why I feel like they were probably trying to minimize the amount of stock damage that they would get. If they made a big announcement, more people would see it, and then maybe it would be even mm. worse on the stock market. And they were like, if we just keep it really quiet. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and make less people notice. Let's not post about it on our socials. And I feel like that's probably what they were trying to do. Like, Naturally, everyone found out. Man. Everyone was like, wait a minute. But I do think that they probably succeeded in some points. I'm sure there are some people out there who still don't know. Yeah. This is going on. And we'll never know. And, and who've we'll... never known his name in the but first that, place. But I mean, those are different people to me. I feel like even people who know who he is might not know he's leaving Rockstar. True. Because it's just it's kind of like a weird little on the internet. No, that's a, that's a fair point that the mass audience who is playing in GTA Online and who bought Red Dead Redemption 2 doesn't even know who the Housers are, right? Yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah, yeah, most people do not. Yeah. Which is kind of sad for them because they are so hands-on with the creative process of their games. But I mean, they could have called it Houser Games, though. Yeah. And they, they chose <laughs> not to. Because, yeah, like, yeah like they were the founders. I feel fine with it. Yeah, I feel like it's all right. Like, they get some of that, that secrecy that Rockstar, like Brittany said, does kind of love. So I feel like it's it's probably intentional. But yeah, I mean, this is, I feel like this is a huge deal. Like... He was the lead writer, uh, lead writer on Bully and on Red Dead and on Two, and wrote or co-wrote most GTA games. It's like the whole like lifeblood of that company really is the Hauser brothers. So him being gone, like we don't know what it's going to do, and we have no idea what the impact is going to be. I've seen people speculate maybe it's positive because of the crunch conversations. Like maybe that will, mm, maybe, maybe he was a proponent of down, that because yeah. I think he was definitely involved in the team who were working 100 hours a week. So maybe that'll help. But it, I, I'm very curious to see what what happens mm-hmm. or how the next Rockstar game. Imagine game is that GTA 6 probably is mapped out well enough that you might not feel the effects of him leaving 
with GTA 6, but maybe going forward, like you're saying, Alana, I've also seen people talk about crunch culture, and maybe that'll be a positive impact for them. But, you know, what does this mean for other franchises? Will we get a bully, mm. too? What is he doing? I think he's personally running off into mm. the sunset and enjoying his buttloads of money. I mean, if I was yeah. as rich as, as Dan Hauser, I would want to stop working, oh, yeah, too. I yeah. But I feel like creative types, though, will want to come. Like, I feel like he'll want to come back in some capacity at some point. Right? Yeah, like, I would never stop working sure. no matter how much money I had. I do I, think maybe he... I'll go write books. Uh, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, go write yeah, some books. Do. Give us yeah. some canon Red Dead Redemption stuff, man. Yeah. I'd read the shit out of that. Could yeah. do. Yeah. It's it's an interesting one. Like, I just... GTA 6 is probably mostly written, but I feel like the dialogue's not set in stone. Like, they do that up until a very late date in production. So, I mean, that's one of the things he's exceptionally good at. And, like, I just... I'm scared, <laughs> but like, it's probably, please don't leave me. Yeah. It's probably like a huge discredit to everyone else who works on those yeah, games, but I mean, I'm like, Oh no. And video games are always a, a team effort. So like, don't want to, I mean, obviously he deserves a lot of credit, but it, clearly other people work there too. And like, it will probably be fine, but yeah. yeah, it's still kind of like that question mark at the end where we have, we won't see the ramifications of this for a little while. So. Yeah. I, I, uh, tweeted being like it's like one of the wachowskis leaving the wachowskis and then mm-hmm. someone was like one of them did and i was like oh well oh, maybe it's not that bad okay, okay I guess like sensate <laughs> was only one of them and not the other one Uh-oh. and then the new matrix is again only one of them i think that the other sister is now like working on a comic or something like that or a novel oh. yeah so it's yeah. like they have split up I was like oh well, well okay then, maybe it was mind. fine maybe that's what <laughs> maybe it'll be gonna okay. go to. Work on a comic. Go, maybe yeah team up Who he's knows? gonna go work for marvel mm. let's just uh wait for that story to break be like <laughs> now writes for marvel i'd take it <laughs> i mean yeah it'd be cool yeah not like they need any help right now true, but, true. Um, <laughs> and also i wonder i wonder what kind of um working dynamic like feige kevin feige would have with somebody like dan hauser Mm. or just like anybody else yeah i don't know (laughs) i mean he like i feel like we don't talk enough about like how amazing the avengers is in terms of what it actually did like having what is it 15 movies over 20 years or something like that or is it the other way around 20 movies 15 years it was a lot lot. but it's a it's a lot all to go towards one thing map yeah we've never seen that happen before yeah for that long it's crazy i can't even plan plan my life that well yeah i couldn't even write a short story that gets to a point like i can't imagine trying to write uh, yeah, it's really nuts. In my classic Christine I did, and guess what? It was a cliffhanger. Do you remember that shit? Oh, it was. Yeah, you're right. Sorry, <laughs> I tried to get you back. She out. just didn't end it. I just didn't end it, and I never wrote <laughs> the second one. I, I'm George R. R. Martin over here. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, one of the things about Rockstar is that like they feel like one of the guarantees we have of a studio that always makes good games. Like I feel like a Rockstar game is always going to be a, a game of the year contender, is always going to be like a giant and, and uh, push the medium forward. So even a slight change in that makes you go, oh no. And you're like, what is take, how is Take-Two going to react to this? Is it going to be more microtransactions in DTA 6? Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm overthinking this one a lot, but I feel like it is probably a pretty big deal. I just don't know how. I yeah, guess the, the, clock the, time will will, the, times, the times will tell. Yeah. The time will tell, yes. <laughs> we'll, we'll find out eventually. The times be telling, as the exactly. quote goes. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of people leaving, yes. Rod Ferguson has announced that he is going to be leaving the coalition in March to join Blizzard to oversee the Diablo franchise. So this news just dropped today mm-hmm. as of recording the podcast just a few hours ago. And I was 
pretty shocked, but also very excited. Rod is a wonderful person, and I've had the pleasure of interviewing him several times over the course of my career. And I did not anticipate this move, especially because they really set up, you know, Gears 5 to have a very, very much like going to have, they had to follow that up. They kind of left it open-ended. But um, I think that it's going to be really cool to see what he does with Diablo. Obviously, Diablo 4 in the pipeline who knows if that's actually happening this year or if it's coming 2021. <laughs> but we know just based off what they did post-launch with Diablo 3 that there's clearly several years of content coming after Diablo 4 does eventually launch. So, yeah. This one is also a huge deal that I also did not see coming because I've, like, been... I mean, I was in Gears 5, but I've, I've been around Rod plenty of times just as a result of, like, that happening. And he's spoken about Gears 6 so many times. And I was like, you have a plan. And now I'm like, what are you doing with like, the plan? I gave them the plan, and now I am going to what does that do mean? something new. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. I mean, I kind of get it. When you've worked in a franchise for as long as he exactly. has, Like, you'll get fatigued. Even mm-hmm. if you love that thing, you're just like, man, I need to spread your break. wings. Yeah. 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 And I also yeah, think like, like you... PS5 is really good, and it's still mm-hmm. got a lot of like really bad community backlash for a lot of things. Like A lot of the audience is just really angry about Kate being the lead. Um, and I feel like for Rod, he was like trying really hard to Bros. do something with the franchise and like make Bros. it fresh. And I feel like it is one of the best campaigns that the, the series has had for them to be so mm-hmm. mad would suck. Like you probably didn't anticipate that. Yeah. No? But I mean, I don't know that going to Diablo or Blizzard is going I know to that, that was my thought. It was like, <laughs> was like Blizzard and Diablo specifically also on fire. Yeah. So. so uh, yeah. Not a safe haven. <laughs> oh, well. It was also kind of interesting because you think of Rod and you're like, well, Gears and Diablo, uh, it's it, not a lot of crossover there, right? Sure, they're kind of, like, dark and depressing in their own, right? So it's going to be interesting to see what he does with that and what kind of direction it goes in. And same with Gears, like you ladies were just talking about. I feel like this last campaign was just one of the better ones. And we were talking about on the show, right? Like, ah, oh, it's back on track. It's going to be great. And now he's leaving. So now, like, what direction is that going to go in? Again, the times will be telling. Mm. Times be telling. Yeah, just for people who maybe aren't familiar with Rod's career, this write-up over at gamesindustry.biz says that Ferguson is a development veteran having worked on the franchises including Half-Life, Bioshock, and Microsoft Train Simulator. But he's best known for his work, of course, and the Gears of War franchise. He's been involved in every Gears of War title since the series started in 2006 and in 2014 took charge of the Coalition, the studio tasked by Microsoft to handle the Gears of War franchise. The Coalition has launched three Gears of War titles, including a remake, and has worked with the likes of Mediatonic on Gears Pop and Splash Damage on Gears Tactics, which launches in April, the mm-hmm. end of April, I believe. Um, Xbox's Matt Booty said in an interview that Rod is certainly someone who has a tremendous impact on the franchise overall. Going back to the original Gears, we are really grateful for the craft and just his passion and also just what he has done to build that community. We wish him well as he moves on. Yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. been doing it for a long time. Mm-hmm. I think he also left once before to go to Bioshock and then came back to Gears. He yeah. did. Yes, that was like in the transition period when... Microsoft was figuring out what to do with the Gears franchise after mm-hmm. um, Epic and Cliffy B were like, deuces. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't out. it originally yeah. Black Tusk before it became the Coalition? I thought that that was just a code name. Uh, but Yeah, uh, yeah that name was kicking around somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Throwback like, uh, to like 2014. Yeah, I don't think Black, it was the Coalition the whole time. Black though. Tusk, that's the name of the faction in The Division. The division two. <laughs> I know because I was just got to curb last that night. addiction. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, so I looked it up. It says uh, formerly. It's funny. The, the coalition 
formerly Zipline Studios, Microsoft Game Studios Vancouver, and Black Tusk Studios. Yeah, Apparently had three separate names. Yeah. You know, sometimes you just got to rebrand and yeah. then rebrand and then rebrand. Yeah. <laughs> and then rebrand just one more and then time. Just be like, and then stick with it. This is what we think it is. <laughs> Times will be telling. <laughs> they'll rebrand again. Times yes, will now be they're going to re- rebrand again the because Rod be left. So somebody's, some new guy's going to come in and be like, Broad I have a great studios. idea. <laughs> we should call it something else. Yeah. Let's revisit Black Tusk. Yeah. People yeah. know that name. Poor yeah. Phil Spencer will be like, no, stop. I'll be like, no, I can't pay for the branding work on this. Please stop. <laughs> exactly. You have to uh, make a video game. <laughs> it's true. Let's talk about video game consoles shall we Mm. our next story comes from ign.com the playstation 5 price is a quote balancing act and may be influenced by the xbox series x price in the least shocking headline writing of all time (laughs) maybe how long can we wait to announce the price it's like it's like a game of chicken kind of like who's gonna announce it first i kind of like have to laugh at that we're even talking about this as a story because it's like Yo, Avi, of course, this is going to be a thing. But um, for shits and giggles, Sony hasn't <laughs> fully decided on a price for the PlayStation 5 yet. It seems this is in part due to wanting to see how its competition, the Xbox Series S, is pr- X is priced, as well as a number of other monetary factors. Sony had its Q3... Q3, I don't know what's happening with me today. Sony no had its Q3, Q3 earnings Q3? call this week during which it was announced the PS4 just had its lowest Christmas sales, period. Shocking. In total, 6.1 million units were sold during Christmas 2019 compared to 8.1 million units sold during Christmas 2018. Chief Financial Officer Hiroki Totoki, Totoki? Yeah, that's right. Stated he intends to ensure a smooth transition for Sony from the PS4 to the PS5. He was questioned on how he will do this and asked which costs Sony can control. And the answer is complicated when it comes to how Sony will price the PS5. Satoki said, first, we must absolutely control the labor cost, the personnel cost. It must be controlled. I'm guessing this is a a Japanese to English translation. Something about that sounds messed up. Um, And it leads to what should be recognized as a cost. We will definitely control that in the initial ramp up. How much can we prepare? Initially, we will work on the production and the sales, and we will have to prepare the right volume as we launch this. That's definitely a translation (laughs) gone awry. What is not very clear or visible is because we are competing in the space, so it's very difficult to discuss anything about the price at this point of time. And depending upon the price level, we may have to determine the promotion that we are going to deploy and how much cost we are prepared to pay. So it's a question of balance. And because it's a balancing act, it's very difficult to say anything concrete at this point of time. This is basically just a political answer. Yeah. This is just a bunch of fluff. Yes. It's a nothing. Uh, it was literally see, marshmallow fluff in marketing, coming out of your mouth. We have to... Do marketing. <laughs> That's basically what he's saying. He's like, consider values and costs. Yeah, you do. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, yes, 100%. It's true. Nailed he does. It. Good job. <laughs> when the story was circulating, I couldn't help but think about the Sega Saturn. Do you, do you ladies remember that whole botch launch at all? Okay. So a baby. in 1995, <laughs> oh, I was like, I, was I don't know if I was alive. Uh, I, was, I was two. I miss everything, and I'm sad. I hate being in Washington. <laughs> um, 
Just move here already, Britt. I know. Just do it. I'm just going to, like, live in the studio and become, like, a little studio troll. And, like, you just got to feed me every now and again. Just kind of, like, leave some food in the cat dish. We'll just leave, like, a this hamster-style water bottle and pellets for you. <laughs> Can you imagine giving me, like, a, ham- a hamster wheel? Like, walking in and, like, getting the water from the little... Okay, that'd be mm-hmm. really weird. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> so, back- <laughs> so, back to 1995. At this point, the Saturn had already been released in Japan. And so... Sega was kind of sweating bullets because they knew that PlayStation was also planning to release in fall 1995. And Sega, Saturn wanted to release in fall 1995. But Sega was panicking because they're like, yo, we got to get this out way before Sony so we can get some more traction. So at E3 1995, um, I don't know who it was. I think it was the Sega CEO at the time. He came on stage and he's like, okay, not only are we releasing the Saturn earlier, we're releasing it today. Whoa. I have seen that. Yeah, they self-launched it, and not much later, during Sony's 1995 E3 press conference, uh, I can't remember his name, but he came up to the stage, and well, it was first like the president, you know, he's at the podium, he's like, okay, well, you know, we're going to talk about a press briefing, whatnot, blah, 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 I'm going to have this other guy come up here and let you know what's going on. He just walks up, he gets all settled, and then he just says 299, and then he just walked off the stage. So they Amazing. undercut him, undercut uh, Saturn by 100 bucks. Mm. So I forgot to mention that point, but yeah, they announced the price for three ninety nine. Sony came on stage at their press conference and undercut them by a hundred bucks, and then that was like kind of the end for the. the and then it was a mic like, drop. Goodbye. Yeah. yeah. And then like, Sega should have been like, "Just kidding." <laughs> also two ninety nine. They they tried to do that, but things were too expensive to manufacture, and it, they couldn't do it. Yeah, they would just be like, "Well, we're." Going out of business one way or the other. Which way yeah. are we going down? <laughs> so this was kind of funny because this, I, I agree with you, Andrew. It's like kind of duh. But it was making the rounds for a bit. And I was like, oh, that sounds familiar. Yeah. I mean, but then PlayStation has not, has also had a, a oopsie poopsie on these sorts of things. And they're like, it's only $600, so 599 US yeah. dollars. And you're like, sure. Uh-huh. That's a bit. That's a, that's that's a bit much for me. That's a whole me. bit. That's a, that's a whole, wow. That's a lot. Yeah. So launch. yes, they do need to price this correctly. Please. Yeah, but they're also in like such a beneficial position if they get to go after Xbox. Like it's so oh totally for them. yeah because then they can be like, all right, what's the lowest we could sell this for but still make profit? Yeah, it'll be interesting to know like if Xbox is also trying to play this move. But I feel like Xbox has really clearly said we're just going to do our own thing yeah. and not yeah. ever try to go one to one with PlayStation because it's clear that. PlayStation is entrenched in markets that Xbox will never be able to win over. Yeah, I think they also just are doing different things now. And like Phil seems to want to just lead um, in that, you know, the play anywhere and Game Pass and crossplay are all like things that they seem to be focused on more than anything else. And I feel like that it's it is almost like they're trying to do two different things. And I I appreciate that. Don't give me the same box twice. There was also a story or something on socials that I saw recently with Phil, and he was talking about like yeah, PlayStation's kind of our competition, but really we need to look out for Amazon and um, Google. Mm. It's interesting that you bring that up. Is this up, a story Steiner? we have in the rundown that it I didn't see? It is a story. Well, in then fact, look at that friggin' segue. It's the next story. <laughs> Phil okay. Spencer says that Amazon and Google are Xbox's real competition, writes Polygon. With a new console generation right around the corner, Microsoft is setting its sights higher than a traditional console war. Phil Spencer, <laughs> head of gaming for Microsoft, recently told technology publication Protocol he doesn't view Sony and Nintendo as the company's primary competition going forward. Instead, Spencer sees the future of gaming being fought over cloud computing companies like Google, Amazon, and of course, Microsoft. 
Phil's quote, when you talk about Nintendo and Sony, we have a ton of respect for them, but we see Amazon and Google as the main competitors going forward. That's not to disrespect Nintendo and Sony, but the traditional <laughs> gaming companies are somewhat out of position. I guess they could try to recreate Azure, but we've invested tens of billions of dollars in the cloud over the billions. years. I guess they could try to recreate I guess it. they could try and do what we're doing, but we're so far No ahead. disrespect to them. No disrespect, but they suck. But we're billionaires and you're just Nintendo. <laughs> well, Nintendo's always been like off on the playground doing yeah. their own thing. Yeah, for and, sure. And they, by the way, are also billionaires. It's interesting. We were talking about how I thought it would be interesting to see the difference in the pile of money between where Take Two is at, knowing how successful Rockstar has been, and where Nintendo is at. And um, tweeted us. A, an enterprising young gentleman whose name I'll never be able to find in my mentions, unfortunately, um, wrote me the details about the differences and he said he looked up the cash holdings that are publicly available and take two interactive is at 1.5 billion mm-hmm. nintendo is at 10 billion <laughs> so just I mean, a that little bit makes more sense money. though yeah well they've obviously been doing you know this whole games business thing for quite a few more decades than uh, take two had. They also just have like this. I feel like the Nintendo business model that people let them get away with, which is so wild, is just to release the same hardware but like slightly different. And they and make the it cheaper every time, but it's just the same yeah. thing over and over again. And people are like, "Great, I will take a DSi and an XL." And <laughs> I a mean, I'm XL. still trying to not buy the Animal Crossing. I know, Switch, right? Um... Trying to not. The others, I don't feel like have that draw because maybe because they're not as cute. I don't like, know. They just did such a good job with that one. Yeah. Oh, God, it's so cute. Do it. It's, it's very cute. cute. And the color scheme is perfect. Do it. Mm. It is. Um, of course, if you guys aren't familiar with Azure, that is the cloud computing service. In the larger technology landscape, thousands of companies use Azure as part of their infrastructure and for their own cloud projects. However, in the gaming space, it's the backbone for Xbox's Project X Cloud, which you guys have heard us talk a lot about. Project X Cloud allows players to stream Xbox games directly from the cloud onto mobile phones or tablets. Spencer seems to see this as the key to the future for the company going forward rather than the direct console competition that has happened in past generations. He writes, I or he says, I don't want to be in a fight over format wars with those guys while Amazon and Google are focusing on how to get gaming to 7 billion people around the world. Ultimately, that's the goal. Yes. Mm. He yeah. right. He is right. I think like a lot of uh, console gamers will probably like refute that point and be like, no, I only want PlayStation. I don't want a cloud. But the cloud is absolutely the future. He's like looking at the right thing. For sure. It's like mm-hmm. irritating to me because I know you're right. And I don't want it. <laughs> and I don't want it to be like, because mm-hmm. it's the same thing. Like, 10 years ago, I was that person who was like, absolutely not with digital games. I will never, ever want digital games. I like looking at all my stupid games. I like them staring me in the face and mocking me every day that I come home. (laughs) But And now I am the person who, the only physical media I have in my house are books. That's it. Yeah, the games are a waste of space, which is a huge bummer. Because yes. I used to be like yeah. that too, and I'm like, but when I, well, but I like, need that but, space for other yes, things, but I can just download wa- it on my console. <laughs> but they're a waste of space because the platform makers have made them obsolete, and that's the frustrating part to me as a physical collector. Is that if I get, you know, like I just got the the Destiny Two Collector's Edition as a recent one that I've gotten um, for for Shadowkeep, and it's like, hey. I have to put that disc in and I still have to download and yeah. install everything. That's true. Yeah. You know, so it's like, even if I have the physical media, they're essentially telling me that I have to download it all again anyway. So like, what's the point I of having the days it? When you just put a disc in and play something. Yeah. 
Well, great. I mean, the, sh- the shiny statues, yes. You just like, blew on the cartridge and you put it in the in box. There. But then it didn't work, so you took it out and, and, and blew it again. And, again. And, then <laughs> and then you'd hold it down. Yeah. yeah. And then you would blow it inside the console. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, we all remember those days. Good times. But I think that he's not wrong that being able to reach a global population is where they should be heading. And with all of the different region lock issues that hardware currently has across multiple countries and continents, it makes sense that they would want to put it all into the cloud and make it internet based. But I still think it's such a long way off having used uh, Stadia for the last couple of months and the sheer amount of data that those systems transfer hour by hour mm. in order to get a good fidelity experience. It's just from a cost perspective until, you know, ISPs of the world and the telecom companies around the globe can, you know, stop raking people over the coals for profits then I think that we're still going to be stuck in the situation where consumers are going to be locked to hardware. And it's a bummer because I wish that we could all just like jump right into the digital future and be there. But it is cool being able to just play destiny wherever you want to. And like Stadia works great for me, like at my apartment, I'm, I'd obviously be close to a data center, but it works incredibly. Like I don't have problems with it, which is dope, but it's also still just, yeah, the, the amount of people who are able to access that. And it was just an expensive beta test anyway, is super restricted, but I'm kind of hoping that the games industry is the leader for the ISPs and not the other way around that maybe Stadia and Amazon and streaming and entertainment as well for TV and movies is the one that pushes the ISPs to innovate because they have to for competitive reasons rather than the other way around if that makes sense so i'm with you they catch up. and i think if any companies can do it it's companies like microsoft amazon and google yeah because they run telecoms all over the world especially amazon web services is the largest web provider globally mm-hmm. uh, we haven't really heard anything from them if they're going to be getting into this game you kind of think that why wouldn't they mm. but i mean really right now it's just microsoft versus google when it comes to streaming and from what everything I've heard, everybody's liking the Project X Cloud yeah, preview. Seems like people like Cloud Mall. Did you ladies hear about NVIDIA's GeForce Now? This, yes. Okay, yeah. So this is interesting. I have a little blurb here from The Verge. Unlike Google, Sony, and Microsoft's offering, NVIDIA has a very different pitch. It's your existing library of PC games that you can now play anywhere instead of having to buy new games and or subscribe to a Netflix-type catalog. NVIDIA supports hmm. Steam, the Epic Game Store, Battle.net, and Uplay, and it runs instances of each of you each instances of each for you in the cloud it you also clones you <laughs> great you can log into your accounts download many of your existing purchases near instantly to your cloud desktop sync your old save games and pick up where you left off in a couple minutes all at most no patch necessary five dollars hmm. a month and all of the people who've been beta testing it it's said nothing but incredibly positive things about it so that's it's, very cool to me that's a different market though they're targeting people who already play pc games they're not targeting console players which is what stadia is targeting right stadia is is, like they've said like this is a console this isn't a pc and so i think it's like apples and oranges but i what i think is interesting is that they potentially have the ability to take more of microsoft's market share because xCloud is also going after PC gamers, right? Because they're trying to do this crossover thing where if you play it on your Windows, you could PC, you could play it on your Xbox. Uh, obviously, not every game is like that, but... I do love that, though. Yeah. It's good. Yeah, mm. it's good. So I, I still think Microsoft is positioned to be in the lead here if they don't fumble. The thing with Google that I just keep coming back to is that like for a lot of people, it didn't work. For some people, it did. But 
the, the integration to YouTube when they end up doing that is going to be huge. And that like Fortnite is still one of the most popular things that anyone watches on YouTube. And you could in theory just click it and then immediately play Fortnite. And there are huge amounts of people who watch YouTube gaming content who don't play games that they can just instantly drag over into that market through your Gmail account. You don't have to sign up. Like it just seems so seamless that they constantly have millions and millions and millions of people who are already accessing something that is on their website that they can just draw into the other one. And I, I don't know how they're going to integrate that, but I feel like when they do, I don't know how you compete with that. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, the promise, and I've said this, the promise of Stadia is super exciting. Yeah. They just have not executed it. They just need to deliver. They kind of don't know how to market. Like, I feel like they're really arrogant. <laughs> what do they're you like, mean? Those no. ads were amazing. We totally talked about this. Was it last week? Yeah, yeah it was last week. We watched the Reggie Watts ad before the show aired <laughs> and for like the, the seventh time or whatever. Yeah. thing ever. But it's even just like the subscription model and the fact that you have to pay for things again. And like, it's just none of it. Like, who do you think you are? Like, uh, you think you were going to Google? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the problem. Money like, bags, like, McGee, Google. <laughs> trying to make more money. It's just not going to work. People yeah. aren't going to buy that. Yeah, well, when you don't put, you know, overlay ads and clickable ads in everything, you've got to charge people. Mm. So, because that was my fear before Stadia launched that, that, that the too. basic subscription to Stadia would have like ads galore because. Google loves to sell ads. They're very good They're at really it. They're really good. That's and their main source of revenue still. So it's like, I feel like they'll try to figure that out too. Like there's a subscription model where you get an ad before a cutscene or something. Oh like, God. I don't know. Oh I know. God. I don't oh, want that it. makes me clench, Can you dude? imagine no. trying to play Death Stranding? Mid-roll mid- <laughs> mid- ads? You're like watching a cutscene and it like it's breaks like, in yeah, like, like a 45 on. second ad? No, I can do it. Get Stadia Pro. You'll never have mid-roll ads again. You're just like, get fucked. Turn it off. Oh my gosh, this of course in the wake of the announcement that for the first time ever Google announced how much money YouTube makes. Yes. Yeah, um, that was crazy. Which was 15 billion? Shocking and so. a little bit upsetting. I'm not going to lie. Um uh, as somebody who's been working in YouTube for over a decade, um and when I heard that number, I was like that is that's not fair. That is too much profit. <laughs> that's a lot of profit. <laughs> Um, I believe it was thirty-four billion dollars. <laughs> Probably was fifteen. Why am I getting fifteen? Uh, I think that was total. Let me see here. Or that might have been Google. Uh, that might have been Alphabet total. Ah, uh, one second. I have the article here. So much money. Jesus, um, is that that's disgusting. profit? Oh yeah. So they broke out YouTube's ads specifically, and it was one fifteen point one billion in ad revenue in fiscal twenty nineteen, according to their quarterly. That's just revenue, report. though. In ad revenue. Yeah. Okay. okay. Oh, right. So revenue, not profit. Yes. Right, but profit is probably still like in the five oh, billion I, range, yeah, right? Of course. But I'm just... <laughs> Chump change. <laughs> you know. It's slightly better. Slightly, slightly It's slightly less, less egregious. <laughs> it's, yeah. not, it's not. We'll take Pe- it. People got into a, a, an argument with me on Twitter about this when I was like, you know, it wouldn't be such a terrible thing if Google maybe gave a slightly more favorable split to all of the creators who support YouTube as a platform. And and as somebody who also creates content, I'm fully aware of what the split is. And then out of the woodwork, people being like, well, you know, Google gives people YouTube for free. And I was like, no. You get to host your videos. It's a privilege. Well, I'm like, <laughs> I, I'm i aware. I'm actually a very big proponent for, for YouTube's right to do whatever they want business-wise because they are a private platform, especially whenever they change policies and people get all upset. It's like, well, you know what? Like, oh, they kind of provide you this service. Yeah. But I think me saying they can give us a little bit more in the split isn't asking for that much because clearly they're making billions of dollars. So maybe we get like a 45 
5% cut instead of 40, you know. Yeah, creators do not make anywhere near as much as people think. I've been thinking about this for a while that I just want to like tweet out and be like, how much money do you think I make a month from YouTube? Because people seem to think it's tons. I'm like, uh, no. We make like $150 a month. Yeah, it's not much. Like yeah. that's really like, that's a real you number. Buy it's like our alcohol for one person. Budget. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's it. You can take yourself on a date. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's nuts. Yeah, it's nothing. Um, and the crazy part is that people put hours and hours and hours and hours of work into making the platform. And so I think, you know, just sprinkling a little around YouTube wouldn't be a terrible thing. Mm-hmm. All right. We're grateful for the platform. Of course, you need to pay your bills just like everybody else does. But I do kind of want to know what their server costs are, or like their hosting costs. It's probably a lot. I want to know, though. Like, show me Google the breakdown. Yeah. Yeah. Like, how bad is that bill? Can you? Who, yeah. who gets that bill also every month and just looks at it and shakes their head and just, like, approved? <laughs> yeah. It's probably a fair bit because if, I think if you look at the amount of data that's uploaded to YouTube in a year, it's, like, into the terabytes. Ooh, yeah. It's, it's, it's just, like, terabyte? it doesn't even exist. It's no. It's, like, yeah. I was trying. I was looking at the number and trying to rationalize it in my head, and I was, like, I can't. Like, I don't. <laughs> My brain can't confuse this, this many the numbers. number is too high. I'm not Rain Man. <laughs> it's 300 hours of video uploaded to YouTube every minute. Yeah. So, yeah. someone on Reddit basically broke that down and was like, that's probably like if they're at 1080, which is probably average, it's this amount of data, and then like figured it out. And it was, yeah, it was like a billion of something. <laughs> a billion that I was just trillion. like, I don't. Quadruple bajillion. So yeah. Much. There's this article called 36 mind blowing YouTube facts and figures, oh, but geez. I don't know. I'm going to mind blowing. Let's 36, see here. All 36 of them. Mm-hmm. I doubt it. 80, 80% <laughs> of YouTube's views are from outside the U S. Wow. Wow. That makes sense. That's, there's a lot more people <laughs> in the world than just, in the that United is States. the thing when you like a lot of people comparing the breakdown of YouTube to Twitch because of this coming out and like Twitch's revenue is way lesser, but it's also that Twitch is still very, american centric because it's um so focused on video games whereas there are so many international countries that are making content like uh t-series who are making content that gets tons and tons of views for other nationalities that twitch has way 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 less of and it's like if you look at them as competitors right now for live streaming sure but for for a a platform it's still twitch is still way below YouTube. it's not even close yeah it's not even Yeah, miles. Not off. even in the same universe. Yeah, no. Videos on demand or VODs are like they so far outweigh streaming that I mean, it, it's no surprise to people like us who work in this business. But it's always shocking to me that people who just casually watch Twitch think that Twitch is so much bigger than YouTube. And I was like, no, it's really not though. Not even close. They have a marketing problem. <laughs> they, well, they or a PR they, problem. They have several problems. Um, yeah, that's true. All right, let's uh, wrap up the news. So we have a couple other quick stories here. So I I pulled a bunch of this stuff from the Steam in review that was released right before we started to shoot the show. But I do also have uh, an article that I pulled from PC Gamer about the Steam in review for this year, they kind of do like a, a much better job of kind of breaking it down. Uh, so I don't have to read this like slog of information <laughs> that steam has released on their 2019 year in review. So let me just pull that up really quickly. I had it in a tab and now I've lost the tab, but I'm going to find it. So again. unprofessional. No, God, I, I, you know, it's so... almost like I run this show every week, but never get any better at it. <laughs> um, so the, the headline is steam users played for nearly 21 billion hours in 2019. Again, can't comprehend. That's a lot. I don't know hours. what it is. <laughs> it's a fake number. Nope. It is. It's fake. 
Uh, more new games found success on Steam in 2019 than in 2018, according to their year in review blog post. And median earnings among new releases went up too. Monthly active users grew to nearly 95 million. And despite the occasional perception that Steam sales aren't the big deal they used to be, 2019 finished strong with our most successful sale ever. Mm. Much of the post is dedicated to things that PC Gamer has covered previously, like the launch of Steam Labs and the experiments to emerge from it, like micro trailers, the interactive recommender and the community recommendations, and of course, the big library update, a major cosmetic overhaul that added significant number of new features, including better sorting options, custom shelves, and improved game pages. There are some interesting bits of trivia, too. Uh, that 21 billion hours of gameplay, of course, played on Steam last year, plus 4.3 million items were uploaded to the Steam Workshop, including some some fake items used to hijack mm-hmm. accounts that forced the introduction of a new verification oh, system. For, there were 44 review bombs that were addressed, and over the final two months of the year, 3.7 million people used remote play, and 2.3 oh, wow. million used remote play together. Oh, That's not as many review bombs as I would have thought. Maybe we're not Actually, that bad. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's okay. Maybe the world's not, not such a bad. Yeah, it's oh, like no, it's less still than trash. One. <laughs> <laughs> less than one a week. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Um, it's a thorough overview of Steam's evolution over the course of the year and worth diving into if you guys are interested in the nuts and bolts of how it all works. Maybe more interesting, though, is a look ahead at Valve's plans for Steam in 2020. So they're going to be doing some data deep dives. They write, we've seen a lot of analysis from third parties that have taken a stab at figuring out how games are doing on Steam and overall health of the platform based on the limited amount of data that is publicly available. Since we have access to more data, obviously they run the platform, we thought it would be useful to do our own analysis and share the results as a multi-part series of blog posts. They've got soundtracks that they're adding new functionality to better support gaming soundtracks. They're adding Steam Trust, the tech behind Trust Factor Matchmaking in CSGO, shipped in a closed beta to several partners last year and is being rolled out to all partners later this year. Steam PC Cafe program launched an open beta last year to over 8,000 sites, and now they're working on bringing the program to schools and libraries, along with expected cyber cafes, PC bangs, VR arcades, and more. Steam Labs is going to get more top-secret experiments that are going to be actively tinkered with, and they're planning on graduating some of these features so that they are available to everyone. Steam VR, of course. Steam VR 2.0 will feature a number of customer experience improvements, including top list, Steam mobile app, and sales events. Um, speaking of which, Steam sales events could be fun, but what they're really looking forward to are the deep data dives. Mm-hmm. It might be more relevant, of course, to PC Gamer specifically, but generally along the lines of something of an official Steam Spy. Um, so if you guys aren't familiar, Steam Spy is kind of like the unofficial way for people to kind of look at stats across Steam because they give a certain amount of things out to the public. Mm-hmm. Uh, developers then get a certain another layer, and then, of course, Steam has all of the data on the back end. Um, Valve is also working to improvements for Steam TV, chat, the library, the Steam store, and other features, plus, quote, more projects that we're not quite ready to talk about just yet. Oh. oh. They aren't fun video games. I was going to say, like, be telling. where's Portal 3, you cowards? <laughs> <laughs> Assholes. Anyway, if you guys want to deep dive yourself, they wrote quite a bit about everything happening in that year in review. You could just, you know, open up your client and take a look at the blog. Open up your client. Boom. Britt, you want to tackle this last <laughs> last bit here? Yeah. <laughs> On that note, all right. Silent Hill and Fatal Frame movies are reportedly in the works. This comes from a destructoid. According to French film website, Le Sion, 
Director Christophe Gans is currently working on two new movie adaptations, one based on Konami's Fog Fest Silent Hill and another focused on Japan's ghoulish series Project Zero slash Fatal Frame. In a translation provided by Rely on Horror, Gans is said to be working with the producer of the Resident Evil films on the new Silent Hill movie, which will be, quote, anchored in the atmosphere of a small American town ravaged by Puritanism. Purit- what? Pure- Puritanism. Pur- Puritanism. Pur- there's an N in there. Puritanism. It's a religion. Puritanism? Oh Mm-hmm. There we go. Puritanical. <laughs> ah, got it. Gans previously held the 2006 Silent Hill flick, which, while no masterpiece, is still considered by some fans <laughs> to be an atmospheric adaptation of the iconic survival horror series. In regards to the Project Zero Fatal Frame, a movie that has been murmured about for many years now, Gans has little detail to offer, but does specifically note that he has no plans to uproot the story from its Japanese haunted house setting. Very clear from these comments that both projects are in their very early stages, if they're to see the light of day at all. So... Alana, are you a fan of any of these franchises? Yes. Both? Yes. I love both. I never care about film adaptations, though. So you lose mm-hmm. me there. Um, cool. That's fair. But I never get excited about it because I'm like, what if we just made more Fatal Frame? That'd be cool. That would be But preferred. what if you got a really crappy movie? <laughs> Wouldn't what if, you want that? What if I didn't? <laughs> Great. Also. Mm-hmm. What if I didn't? Mm-hmm. But what <laughs> if you did? <laughs> nice. I... <laughs> Can I play it? I mean, you could bring a controller and like pretend. (laughs) But will you at least Um, go see them? Or just like, no, fuck all that? No, I probably would in the same way that I'm definitely going to see Sonic next week. Yep. Uh, It's like, you know, I don't want to, but I'm definitely doing it. I feel (laughs) you can watch pretty much anything. Definitely doing it. It was interesting because we were having a group chat with the folks that we went to a rowdy screening of cats with and, um, Somebody proposed, why isn't there a rowdy screening of Sonic? And I was like, this is great. I'm That's genuinely going to reach out to Alamo and yeah. request it. Be like, we can host be it like, ourselves. We have a million hosts in the room. Yeah. Yes. Like, let that same group just host it. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll do, ev- like, we'll do, do everything. You got you. And we'll I'm, I'm going to email Andrea them. will make the drinks. <laughs> Perfect. Alana yeah. will provide the commentary. Yep. We'll get Carboni to do something. Carboni will just be a cartoon Steve character. We'll do can something. do something. It's great. Yeah. Probably we'll make it I'll just chill in the back. Well, I mean, we're, hope- we're hoping that it's not going to be, but who can say? No, I'm sort of hoping it is, but we'll see. <laughs> the times, they will be a talent. They will be a talent. <laughs> and fairly shortly. Uh, how do you feel about the these movies, Britt? Uh, I'm trying to remember the Silent Hill movie. I think that came out a long time ago. Yeah, it was spooky. I, meant- I was scared. It was spooky. I remember there was fog. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> Yes, no, yeah, like, I barely remember that, but I remember watching it. <laughs> I just there was fun. That makes me think of Phantom of the Opera. I remember there was when missed. it was okay. released. I don't even Jeez. know how you make a Fatal Frame movie because, like, so much of that game is particularly, very specifically about the fact that you're using a camera and looking through it to find things that you otherwise It'd can't be see. Like Blair Witch. Blair Girl. Witch. Oh yeah, I suppose you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That'd be fucking spooky as hell. Japanese horror gets me way more than this other stuff but uh, it could be good this fucked up quite bullshit probably very bad but that's okay we'll see we'll be there opening night with my popcorn and and my whiskey in my purse don't tell anyone nice if it brings those games back in a conversation then (laughs) true (laughs) then at least maybe we'll I don't know they'll remake Silent Hill too so that'd be sweet Uh, okay Alana we were having this conversation last week when do you think we're gonna get an official like announcement announcement about a new Silent Hill game I have no idea. Like, it almost is like they've dropped it. Like, I feel like they have to wait a bit. 
couple of years, maybe? Ah, uh, see. I said this year we might hear some. Well, not might. I think we have like what a fifty dollar alcohol. We have a. Bet. We have a. The, the, yeah, yeah, there's an alcohol bet that we'll hear something. Like, you are mm. you are signed up for that. Oh yeah. I don't feel like the public is ready for it yet. Like I feel like they'll still be mad. Same. Yeah. That's why I bet against it. And I was yeah. Like, no, not happening. Not yet. But Brittany's everyone's the winner friends. in this bet. But oh. they would make people happy if they just remade Silent Hill too. Just do that. We'd be like, okay, well, we're mad at you, but. But like, I'll take, but it. Okay, we'll take it. <laughs> you have several million sales. It's like when you give your partner some food after a fight. Oh yeah, I was thinking of that meme Fine. too, Samer. Thank you. I guess <laughs> no, I want it. So. <laughs> I don't want you, but I want this. I Fine. want the food. I'll take the nuggets. Yeah. <laughs> mm, nuggets. Um, in case you missed it, Florence is coming to PC, Mac, and Switch on uh, February thirteenth next week for just five ninety nine. It was one of our favorite games from last year. It was excellent. Um, Fallout 76 is, did you play Florence? Was that the game that you played? Like for you guys, I played yeah. it. Like I you, played it on the like car trip and then, and then you finished like it. finished it like at the studio yeah. right before we started recording. Yeah. yeah. I remember that. Yeah. 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 It was incredible. I loved yeah. it. It's great. Very good. Uh, Fallout 76's free Wastelander DLC is finally arriving on April 7th. Hey. It includes voiced NPCs. Shocking. Well, A new main ask. quest, new creatures, <laughs> new gear, and more. And Platinum Games has a wildly successful Kickstarter for the wonderful 101 remaster. Mm. The goal was just 50000 but as of this recording, well, from today, not Friday when the game publishes or the podcast publishes, it's raised $1.34 million. Yeah. What do you want to do with all that? Dude, a lot of people like that game, apparently. A lot of ports, man. Make so Nia many 3. ports. Yeah. Yeah, it's Vanquish interesting. Two. This was a Wii U exclusive in 2013, I think, and Platinum really believed in the game. I think the Wii U, just like a lot of things, kind of, you know, not the best platform to get your game out there. So they went to Nintendo and they gave them the licensing rights. So they went to Kickstarter and now they're just fucking nailing it. I I had no idea so many people love this game, even though I don't think it performed well. Clearly, there's an audience there because that's a lot of money to raise. I haven't played it. Have any of you played it? No. I have played it. I never finished it. Okay. And I enjoyed it. I mean, I think the mechanics were really fascinating. Obviously, underneath it all is, you know, core platinum like combat I think they're my favorite game studio but they're really great but i it was just kind of a little it was just a little weird for me just a little too weird mm. <laughs> all right what, what Brittany? did you play no no just the way you say that if you say a game is too weird for you i probably would love it so i feel like <laughs> i missed out on something you know that's a very great point you probably would really love this game because there's parts of it that really remind me a lot about specific anime franchises and oh. i think knowing your pension for for anime i think you would be interested yeah 1.376 million that's a lot of money that's wild mm. Just, i'm trying to see if i have like some really cool rewards Updates? oh there's a really doing? funny reward i'll see if i can find it um it's about um, here we go so if you pledge about 101 dollars, you'll get blocked on twitter by kamia and I'm not. Yeah, so he. <laughs> what? So How is this an incentive? No, he like it's become a meme because he blocks people for just like sometimes even just replying to him in okay. English. Yeah. If you're replying to English, it's an insta block. Really? Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's a mi- there's missions, block me. social media Please. missions. So you know, for example, if we get 720 Facebook likes, that completes mission three. If they get all the way down to mission 12, Camille will unblock everyone. 
<laughs> Everyone, wow. Even the people he blocked before. Yeah. I guess so, yeah. They're just part of the... God, you know, that would take him so long. That would, he's, no, he's getting an intern you, to Yeah, do you that. have interns doing that for sure. <laughs> Somebody else That's a lot that. of people to block. Yeah. But the interesting part is they don't even have the missions filled in. Missions 4 through 11 are just question marks on the page. Mm. Well, that's why <laughs> it's so figure enticing. It out. <laughs> figure it because out. what is it? Give them more money. We must do it. <laughs> if we just so give good. them enough, maybe these missions will I like around. to think they don't actually figure it out until they get the money. And then they're like, shit, they hit 11. Yep. And what like, do we do? But, uh... <laughs> it is interesting to me, though, that they aren't publishing on xbox it's just coming to pc switch and ps4 oh that is strange mm. i wonder why that is because i don't feel like nintendo would make that role like they've been no, chummy with xbox for a sense. while now yeah maybe it's just a focus on the japanese market maybe mm. that's yeah. that's fair that's a good Bigger point mm. actually Nobody plays yeah. Yeah. xbox does not really exist in japan no, no. all right and that's going to do it for the news for this week. That was uh, a beefy segment. Lots of uh, lots of chatting. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about what we've been playing. Stick with us. We'll see you in a minute. good everybody welcome back at segment two of the what's good games podcast this is where we talk about what we've been playing and the events that we have gone to and this week we're going to be talking about stuff great that was really anticlimactic i know i know and it's my seat wait wait. january got no game well listen it's true january doesn't really have any game it did last year well, it did. Oh, well, oh, yeah. at the very end of the month. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's when RE2 came out, right? Mm. End of the month? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, no, there was Kingdom something Hearts. else, though. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. There were a couple of things that came out, I feel like. <laughs> and then, like, Hearts. you know, Kuni 2 was the year before, I think, maybe. I don't know. Years are, years are tough. They are. They are. Yeah. My brain gets all muddled. <laughs> I, that game could have come out in August, I honestly. I'm like, I think it was January. <laughs> Sure. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. What is time anyway? <laughs> this was a particularly bad January, and I feel like it's because it's the next gen consoles. You know, it was just the video game industry respecting dry January, but yeah. in a different form. You're all, all right. Paul, probably from the holidays, so mm-hmm. here you go. I've never observed dry January. Oh. No, I, I don't feel I like don't I drink know. often enough to need to do anything like that. Yeah. Like same. I don't I just don't drink that much. If Andrew I were like drinking every night, other. then sure. Yeah. <laughs> Britt and I lock eyes like, <laughs> like, yeah, we don't drink that much. We're fine. <laughs> Maybe like once a month. I, I think the reason I've never done it is because I don't like to not drink. <laughs> Word. I mean, that's it. Being sober is the I pits. think that's the point. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's just the worst. I've never done it because I don't want to. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean like, that's a reason to not no, do something. totally. I'm an adult. If I want to not have dry January, I'm not gonna. You have Damn right, girl. You preach it. The most alcohol you want to have. It does not matter. <laughs> nope. Well, okay. I did, make, okay, I, did, no, I did make a rule, though, and I've been very good about sticking with it, that I was going to stop drinking wine at home when I'm by myself. 
Mm. Because John doesn't drink, which we've talked about on the show. And so if I'm home and I open a bottle of wine and we don't have guests over, then I usually just have to finish the bottle of wine by myself because mm. let's be honest, I'm not going to open it and finish it. <laughs> um, that would be and, a waste. And I was like, I'm drinking a lot of wine. I'm like going through a bunch of, when you look at the recycling when we take out the trash, I'm like, <laughs> it's just all that's all of you. There's a lot of wine in there. I should <laughs> slow down. Um, so it's it's been going good. But now January's over. Yes. <laughs> now so i can go back thing? to drink wine whatever i want <laughs> no i'm tr- i'm still trying to maintain um not a strict but still trying to maintain fair so I maybe to... i just take one night off you know oh yeah yeah my my parents do one night off of alcohol a week not that they get drunk but they just like mm-hmm. will have wine every night or whatever oh, and they do one be. night without but they're always like it's our dry night i'm like you only do one night <laughs> oh my god oh, i mean yeah <laughs> doing one night is, is, is a stretch sometimes yeah. okay it's like a Wednesday or something. I'm yeah. like, you guys must be so bored. <laughs> <laughs> I'm at home drinking my fifth cup of tea. Like, I feel like I need to meet your parents. They're very like good. They'd be like my spirit mm. animals. My mom is the best. I got to meet your mom. Yeah. She's very good. Gets very drunk off of wine. Ah, you yeah. guys have stuff in common. Yeah. 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 Like, hang out. Yeah. It'd be fun. Yeah. I'm yeah. into it. <laughs> I was going to do a whole, this segment is brought to you by patreon.com slash what's good games. And I've just been enjoying this drinking wine conversation just mm. far too much. Yeah. I mean, it's brought to you by what's good wine. Exactly. Oh. In the pipeline, could you, could you everybody. Make I, that I bought, We're I trying. bought the domain a long time ago. Um, and I am preparing things. I, I recorded a couple things when I was at CES that I just sitting on an SD card and I'm like, what am I going to do with these things that I shot? Um, is the, in the eye in the wine, a wine glass? Yes. So oh. I'm, I have a couple, <laughs> I, I have a couple ideas. Shouldn't be talking about this publicly. Yet. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll show you where I'm, where I'm at. Okay. Wow. Okay. I'm okay. excited. I'm excited yeah. too. Teach oh, I'm me so about excited wine. for wine. Yeah. That's Our wine fairy sent me a amazing bottle of Duckhorn Cab Reserve as a token of like try this once you start your show and i've been saving it wine fairy hasn't sent something in a while probably because they're like yo andrea wine fairy's <laughs> like where's you're not gonna get anything yeah. until you actually make the show mm-hmm. I, I hear think you that's wine fair. fairy wine fairy is trying to push you to I be know. the best wino you can be thanks thanks <laughs> wine fairy and all of you out there that will eventually <laughs> listen to what's good wine um but we're not here to talk about wine. We're here to Dang. talk about video games. Uh, <laughs> wine is so much boring. better than video games. Uh, we just need a, a wine video game. I actually, I think somebody told me at Day of the Devs there was a... Blood and Wine. There was a Vinticulture game. Yeah. That's so true. cool. Oh, you're thinking about the Witcher, Witcher. DLC. Um, there's a game where you actually are a winemaker and it's mm. kind of like a... Not a not an RTS. It's kind of like a farming game, I guess. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right. I, I like that. I'm imagining yeah. the news clip like that. of the woman stomping on grapes and falling. <laughs> I mean, <that laughs> yeah. Would, I would play that, that game. So it's good. good stuff. Yeah. Could it be like a co-op kind of a thing, but like smashing the grapes? <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be but She fun. always falls. It never works. Yeah. <laughs> oh, here. I found it. It's called It's called 100 Days. It's a yeah. winemaking simulator. I love that. You will yeah. have complete control of a new winery. You'll first choose which vines to grow, learn how to grow them, and then when to harvest. Then following the entire winemaking process, deciding on the type of wine you want to produce or the market requires, you will also have to sell the wine produced to allow your company to expand. I mean, like, I feel I'm like this that. game. Is it in, the, in early access or is it out? 
Um, I, that's a great question. Uh, I actually, it was on Steam when I saw it. Mm. Hmm. Hundred days. Maybe this is how I can learn all about wine and get really good at wine it's through a video game. It is. Get good at wine. <laughs> I feel like I feel slightly more like an adult if I was good at wine. But I do. Like, I really do. This you is said, what like, what's good wine is all about. It's going to teach you how to be good at wine. Yeah, I need that. Yes. I just need to. I, just I don't need, need to, to make be good it. At wine. The I studio have is done now. I have no more excuses. Everybody, it's happening. It's coming. Okay, <laughs> I'm. On, I want it. I'm on it. Um, it's it's available for wish list on Steam. Okay, it's not out yet. It looks pretty. Yeah, it looks cool. I'm into it. All right. So one day you'll be playing that in this segment. Correct. I will. Yeah. You are absolutely True. right. Time to be telling. But for now, <laughs> we get to listen to Brittany talk about stories untold. Oh, yay. Okay, so this is a game that is developed by No Code. They most recently put out Observation, which is another great game, if you have not played it, published by Devolver Digital. And it is nine ninety nine. I played it on Switch. It did come out on Steam in like 2017, and it's also nine ninety nine there. So from the Steam page, I grabbed a little blurb that talks about it. <clears throat> <clears throat> Stories Untold is a narrative-driven, experimental adventure game that bends the genre into something completely unique. Combining a mix of classic text adventure, points and click, and more, four short stories are packaged together into a single mysterious anthology. So this is a really short game. You can finish it in about two and a half hours. And the reason I was originally interested in it is because the PR I got described it as a enthrallingly creepy game. Mm. I was like, oh say no more you got you were to like me. that's exactly me. what i like mm, yes so um i did pay for this with my own money so like no no i don't have to put no thank you don't devolver digital <laughs> don't sue me thanks for nothing <laughs> I know, right i know uh, i should have requested a review copy anyway i digress so the a lot of the reviews reading this because i didn't really know anything about this going into it we're like, hey this is unlike something you've ever played before and like yeah i've heard that a million times but it's really true so Sorry if I kind of struggle to describe what this game is like. So the, there's four short stories, and each one, like I said, maybe takes you half an hour to 40 minutes, depending on how quickly you move through the text dialogue and how quickly you solve some of the puzzles. So just to like set up what the first story is like, it's called The, the House Abandoned, and the scene is this unlit room. It looks like you're in an attic or something, and the only light in the room, and it's first person, the only light in the room is like a desk lamp and you are clearly someone sitting in the chair, sitting at the desk. There's a TV on your left, an old keyboard on your right, and behind that is like some family photos. And so it's kind of atmospheric in that sense. And then the – I never played these growing up, but I think they're called text adventure games, right, where you have the option to look, use, read, go, open, those sort of things. So it's all like point and clicky. Mm-hmm. Um, and you start playing the game on the left – and it's, you know, you're arriving to your childhood house and shit kind of starts going down from there. It does kind of have a creepy vibe to it. I would say it's like right on the border of what would be too creepy for Steimer to play. <laughs> Wait, it was right on the border like where you could play I wouldn't it, you could like handle it, it or I, I could. OK, OK, okay. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. like that. That's the barometer for how scary something is. It's... I read it two Steimers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. Let's do that from now on, please. OK, oh God. five is too much. We just five need to get a, like a little icon, like a little emote with her face on it. And then we can give it one to five. Yeah. Dude, we can take a still from when we played Slender. Simon. Yeah. Oh, God. Very good. Genius. Oh, my God. It'll Beautiful. be so good. Okay, so, yeah. Only if I have the weird, creepy infrared eyes. Yeah, no. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Oh, oh, 
Oh, I'm so excited. Okay. So, <laughs> you know, you arrive to your childhood house and then, you know, it's kind of like step out of the car and look around. And then as you do actions in the game, the, the like the desk lamp will flicker on the desk that you're like, it's like in front of you, if that makes sense. So you're playing the text adventure on the computer monitor to the left of you, but everything around you is kind of interacting with what you're doing in the game. And the four stories come together in a really, really interesting way. And I don't really want to say much more than that because I don't want to obviously spoil it. But one of the uh, games is a text adventure game like that one. And the other one is kind of you're in Antarctica, I think, in some lab. Or I think maybe it's not Antarctica. Very, very lots of ice, lots of snow. And you're monitoring like shit going on with other radio towers (laughs) around you. And it's all kind of points and clicky. So it's not really like any walking or moving around. And I would highly recommend playing this with someone if, you know, if you like watching movies with someone or you like following mysteries or doing something like that because it's really fun to bounce ideas off of each other and try to guess where the story is going. And once you start kind of putting the two and two together, it's like, oh, my God. And like I said, it's only 10 bucks. takes maybe two and a half hours to finish. And if you're looking for a bonding time with someone in your life, I would say it's a good way to spend that time. You don't have to be savvy with video games because it's basically you're just watching a, a story unfold in front of you. But, you know, the only thing you have to be able to do is move your little joystick around and push like the A button. So, so it's not like, sorry, it's not like horror jump scary. It's more just like moody, atmospheric, creepy. More moody, atmospheric, creepy. I mean, there are some parts where something will happen on screen and then your controller will like violently rumble and it did startle me a few times. <laughs> Holy so, shit, I did not know the Pro Controller could do that, but I can. <laughs> so I'm a little a little confused. So I pulled up a, a walkthrough on YouTube so mm-hmm. I could see what the gameplay looks like. And it appears that there's a television on the left side of the screen with the text mm-hmm. um, kind of unrolling on it. And then on the right side, there's like a keyboard and then, you know, some set pieces on the desk, like a photograph, coffee cup, a lamp. And then it's just the computer screen that you're so reading? If, yeah. If you're watching it on a, a PC Let's Play, I believe that you literally type your commands in. Huh. If you're playing it on a Switch, you do have a slight little UI that pops up that gives you the options that you can input. But uh, it's just this television on a desk with a keyboard the whole time? Just for the first episode it is. Yes. Okay. Oh. Okay. Because mm-hmm. I was this- like looking at this going, why would they make the text so small? On the screen, if you're literally just reading the text when that makes up less than half of the screen, why wouldn't you just like zoom in on the television screen? Like because this- the item pieces around you interact with the story around you, with the story you're playing on the screen. There is an mm. option when you're playing to zoom in. So if you want to like zoom in on the screen, you can to like read a little better, but it's all part of the atmospheric shenaniganry. Hmm. But yeah, that's just the first episode. The second one's a little different. The third's a little different. Fourth is, you know, they all. Again, I don't want to give it away because it's kind of like a fun twist. But, yeah, it's it's interesting. I And I have never played anything like this before, but I thoroughly enjoy my time with it. And it's just something I think worth playing if it sounds intriguing to you at all. Hmm. I'm interested. Mm-hmm. What platforms is it on? Uh, Switch and PC. Okay. Yeah. Can't all get right. achievements. It's fine. Yeah. You don't so need hard. the achievements. Shut up. But if you <laughs> have it on your Switch, you can play identity. it in a dark mood That's or in true. a dark room. That's true. Yeah. That's dark why we mood. played all of Overcooked. And... Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, I, I, like, I, I had an uneven achievement, so I made Simon finish the whole game with me so I could even it out. <laughs> and I did. We did. I we did. did it. We did it. Success. <laughs> um, 
Alana, you've been playing a couple of different things. Yes. Uh, you told me that you have been chipping away at Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Yeah. It's my favorite game. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> Tell us how you really feel about wow. it, Simer. <laughs> it's fine. You have thoughts. Um, that is sort of how I feel. No, I like it. Uh, but yeah, I've been playing it really slowly, which I have, I've really liked about it because I frankly don't like that I'm repeatedly returning to the same planet. So I'm like taking breaks between um, playing it. But I'm on... Kashyyyk for the second time. I hope that's not a spoiler. Um, and have done all the stuff on Drathomir and all that stuff. So I'm, I'm having a good time with it. Like, I feel like the game uh, bugs out on me more often than I would like. And it, there are, like, camera issues that sometimes just screw me in a fight. But for the most part, I really like it. Um, and I, I don't know how close I am to the end. I think I'm, like, two-thirds through. I feel like, yeah, I feel like you are I feel like I'll finish close. it in the next week, probably. Yes, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I've, I've, like, very much enjoyed playing that game in between playing other things. So I've been playing it for, what, two months since it came out, I think. Which has been super nice. I'm into it. I like it more than anything else Star Wars has put out recently. So take that. That bar's pretty low. Yeah. <laughs> it's not yeah. Well, you're not you like the- <laughs> wrong. How do you like the combat, Alana? Yeah, enough. But I have this weird thing because of the way that I'm playing it where I forget the combos. So oh, I'll be like, wait, what does yeah. that do? And then I have to go back into my skill, skill tree and actually look up what everything is. Because it's not as intuitive as you would think. A lot of it is like double tap Y, but slowly. I'm like, Nick. oh, I forgot that one <laughs> somehow. <laughs> but no, I do. I, I like it. I like the combat. I like the blocking a lot. And the parry stuff is all is all super fun. I, mm. I love every game that does that. It's like everything slightly more like Arkham combat. I'll take it. So yeah, I, I've been having fun. It's good. Nice. Uh, you've also been replaying the Doom franchise, I presume, yeah. in preparation for Doom Eternal. Yeah, I'm replaying literally every single one. That's um, awesome. That's a lot of demon slaying. Yeah, there's short games, though. Yeah. So it's pretty easy. But, I mean, I'm choosing to play it on hard, which makes it, like... A little longer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it makes it slightly longer and harder. <laughs> <laughs> that's what she said. Uh, but I love Doom. Doom 1 is probably one of my favorite games ever. So I replay that all the time anyway. And it's only like six hours or so, especially if you know where everything is. Um, but then Doom 3 I've never finished because I didn't like it very much. So I'm looking forward to finally doing that. I already finished Doom 2016. I kind of cheated and played that one first. <laughs> and then I'm going through all of them. But Doom is very, very, very good. Uh have you, I assume you already spoke about Doom Eternal a bunch. What did you think of it? Yes. So I was very, very impressed. Me too. We had the opportunity to play very close to each other at the preview event. Um, Raul was between us. Uh, you guys were Both of you were like furiously typing on your mm-hmm. keyboards, uh, playing keyboard and mouse. I, of course, uh, playing with controller because I suck at first-person shooters like keyboard and mouse. It also makes caption nicer. It's yeah. the thing I always say if I have to use a controller, i be like, but then I can bam. <laughs> <laughs> I need to do that. <laughs> that's true and i generally speaking don't capture when i'm playing an fps in a preview event because usually it doesn't look so great because you're either figuring out what you're doing or what the controls are but i had played doom once before at another event and it looked so good yeah. on the rigs that they brought for the event that i was like okay i'll capture and it's real it pretty like. so i thought i did pretty good i had it on medium difficulty i thought about bumping it up to try it on the harder difficulties just for funsies and then i was like nah I want to just keep playing. Yeah, I played on hard, played keyboard and mouse, but that's just how I like to play Doom. I like it to be super punishing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's like one of the, the better things about it is the the way that it, the the uh, arena style combat, which is like really what Doom 2016 was, which is walk down a hallway, have an arena where you fight things and you run in a circle is good on any difficulty because it never doesn't feel chaotic. It's just that you die more on a hard difficulty. Right. But it's like, it's it's slightly more of a puzzle in who you take out and with what gun and in what order. Um, and that's the thing that I've always done in Doom is like I swap weapons. I have 
individual weapons that are used for individual enemies. And I didn't realize other people didn't do that until at that event. They were like, yeah, we wanted to make sure people are using their full range of weapons. And that's part of like the point of Doom Eternal. And I was like, man, Doom would suck if you just use the, like, the same the shotgun the whole time. Like I had no idea people were playing it that way. So hopefully that works. People but, yeah, are lazy. It's, it's really Why good. Why would I swap guns? No, it's, so, it's, so, it's so beneficial to swap guns. I don't even think it's lazy. I think it's about getting into a comfort zone yeah, with something like, used to. the way that certain guns fire and like the range. I mean, I like using the shotgun, but sometimes it gets really hectic and I get flustered when I have to do a lot of close encounters with certain kinds of enemies in the game. And so I prefer ranged combat almost universally, but Doom is not a ranged combat game, no. you know? So yeah, you really just got to get our face between Find those. a sniper perch. Yeah. You'd have trouble with that. Yeah. <laughs> got to kill those uh, cockademons. Exactly. There are a lot of cockademons. Yeah, it's true. Yes. Big boys. They big are. boys, mm-hmm. those cockademons. Mm-hmm. They got big old mouths. They do. I think they're kind of cute. I love them. <laughs> That's where I'm at the noise that they should make. Well, I mean. But they don't. Doom 1 has that exact noise for the zombies. The noise you oh, just really? made. Yeah, you'll like know that there's one of them hidden somewhere that you thought you killed everyone, but you can't find it because it goes... <laughs> <laughs> like, it's exactly that noise. <laughs> like, spot on. Um, that was my first voice acting. <laughs> when you were like 11. When I yeah. was 11. You, you know, always some zombies. You do that noise really anytime. Good. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Very excited about Doom Eternal. Yeah. I... It's crazy that it's um, just like a like a little over a month away now. Um, it's probably the game that I'm looking forward to most so far this quarter, especially with all of the delays and everything that's been happening. I was worried that it would get overshadowed by some mm. of the other games uh, this spring, but I'm glad that some things have kind of given it a little bit of breathing room. Yeah. Hail Obvious- Satan! Right. I mean, Everything obviously Doom out. is not for everybody, right? And like, there's a very specific market yeah. for, for Doom. But I, I'm hoping that people that maybe have stayed away from Doom in the past are going to give it another go because I really think that so it good. has done some great things to make it more accessible to people who were like, nah, I'm not, it's just not my thing. It's too hard. It's too punishing. I don't want it. Um, I mean, the difficulty levels aside, I think just the way that they've changed the, as you mentioned, the combat puzzles in the game make it more intriguing. From... There's more to do than just shoot stuff now. And right. I always loved the just shooting stuff, but well, I guess Doom has always been also about like environmental puzzles. Like, where is this key? How do I open this door? Like there, are, like Doom 1 has some like puzzles that still to this day, every time I'm like, wait a minute, where you have to like go to a certain platform and press a certain button and then a certain door will open. Like it do- it has always had puzzles, but I think the puzzles now are just paced really well around the combat and it, it basically just means that all the stuff that previously was just walk through a corridor and like maybe like find a key card and swipe something is actually takes thought like you'll look at it and be like how am i going to do this and it's not hard by any means i don't think it breaks up the combat but it means that there's like more to do it's more interesting Dude, i died multiple times trying to platform like trying to like double jump wall climb across wall climb across blah. like i was just this one part and i was like mother the platform is my I least favorite do, part of, of a total action. Well, first person platforming is the worst. Yeah. yeah, I did not. I was not I'm also just really bad at platforming. Yeah. Consistently terrible. Never been good at it. Awful. <laughs> just gotta just gotta keep practicing. Oh my god. No. You'd think I've yeah. done I've done that my whole life. <laughs> you I played Mario like as a kid. I wonder if it's like a depth perception thing. Maybe. Probably. I mean, for first person games maybe more so obviously than side well, it's also harder because like, you're like how floaty am I right like mm-hmm. how far yeah can sometimes I actually, you can't see the platform how wait, yeah it's it's difficult yeah. to be like where am I actually jumping to yeah it's tough so would you think that Doom Eternal has the potential to maybe be considered an action adventure game this year instead of just a first person shooter or combat game interesting question 
Hmm. I would say it's still a first person shooter, but yeah, it like steps a, a much stronger leg into that area than it did previously, especially with like the hub ship that very much, I imagine it's going to get invaded at some point. I feel like that's why that's there, but has like Wolfenstein-y aspects to it. They definitely made it just slightly more like Wolfenstein, really. Um, yeah, that's true. I never thought about that way. I, I guess I didn't ask Hugo or Marty if they did consulting with machine games at yeah. all. I would imagine they would have. At some point. Yeah, maybe. I'm, that I'm, or they just played it and were like, oh, we like this good. element. Okay, we take it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now let's go step on Hitler or whatever. <laughs> ah, uh-huh. cringe. <laughs> yeah. Hitler's a demon in hell now. Yeah, that's okay. They could do it. Could yeah. Do good Wolfenstein yeah. crossover. Yeah. That's cute. I mean, if, if, <laughs> that's cute. Yeah. 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 if Hitler's technically <laughs> like soul is living somewhere, it's definitely somewhere in hell. Oh, so. of course. Yeah. <laughs> debatable. I'm kidding. <laughs> it's not. No, it's no debate. I think it's debatable if he has a soul at all, but true. if it does exist, it's true. in hell. Um, okay, cool. Um, you said you were also playing Descenders? Yeah. Have you guys heard of Descenders? No. no. It is a game that I return to all the time if I'm sick or want something to be peaceful to do. Um, it is a downhill mountain biking game where you just ride a bike down a hill. It's like free ski? Kind of. Um, but like With there no are yetis. various <laughs> no yetis, various difficulties of the maps. It's also um, generated. So every time that you play, it's different. And the idea is to get from the very, very start of the first world and like you keep selecting these different tracks that like give you different things or whatever or have different like this one has a lot of turns this one's really fast and try and get to the end of the last map which i think there are like five worlds in total um i've never done that but this is a game that i basically just like pick up all the time in attempt to have fun uh going down a hill i usually play it like when i'm on the phone to someone like i'll be like that's the game that i pick up and play but i've just like been doing it a lot this month i find it just really peaceful for some reason does it feel a little bit like trials No, it's nowhere near as hot as Trials. Okay. Yeah. So can you I mean, fail it's... going down a hill? Yeah, you can. Yeah, of I think you, you have, like... have you ever gone down a hill? <laughs> it's a video game. <laughs> I'm just like in real life. How peaceful is it? Yeah, you can fail in that um, it requires a lot of attention, uh, but you have a certain amount of lives and like there will be certain courses on one of the worlds that if you do it, you'll get an extra life back or whatever. So oh. basically it's like you'll, you'll fail and be sent back to the very start of the very first world. If you fail too many times, which is just like fall off your bike, hit a tree, hit a rock, like fail a jump. But for the most part, it's pretty simple. They also have challenges for every map, like do it in first person, um, never hit the break. The hit the brakes one. I've never succeeded at without falling off. It's so difficult, um, but you don't have to do them. You can just ignore them. So I just really, I don't know. I'm super into Descendants for some reason. So don't care about at, bikes at all. You're not good at platformers. <laughs> I'm terrible at driving. So it probably mm. wouldn't be a very peaceful game for me. I'd be running into every tree possible. Mm. I'm the opposite. I'm very good at driving games. Terrible platformers. Yin yang, man. I'd prefer to have that know. one. Hmm. A, driving's a weird skill. Interesting. Like, watch me play Forza. <laughs> oh, so it's, so it's third person. <laughs> yeah, it's third person. Yeah. Okay. I th- I, for some reason, I thought it was side-scrolling, but it's not. No. So Yeah, fully third person. You can play in first person, though, but it's not a side-scroller interesting just, just real peaceful mm. now i just want to mountains free ski or ski free what was it was it oh, ski, ski free, free? Ski? ski free ski free yeah. and then you'd get eaten ski free yeah. i, I want to go no yetis. play that yeah i haven't played that in such a long time i know time. like man that was good but what do you mean you that's get my eaten. relaxing game you, you get, get eaten by a yeti yeah yetis will eat you in that game yeah oh well wait have you never played this no <gasps> i think oh, i played it girl. on like browser yeah it's like a browser game yeah Oh, okay. you can play it right From, now. Like, like Back Happy in Wheels? Day, <laughs> Just it's like, like Happy Wheels. really old. Yeah, <laughs> it is super old. It's what the kids were playing when like E-Bombs World was a thing. Yeah. Yes. If I remember correctly. Accurate. It yeah. came out in 1991. 
There you go. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, good old DOS. I can't DOS. believe you never oh, played yeah. this. Yeah, totally no. DOS. You could play it you're right now. You're literally just a ski. Yeah, you can. Yeah. Like, yeah. you're just a skier going down literally. a hill. Yeah, just do it. What's it called? Um, ski. Ski free. Ski free. Uh, and Maybe you're I have to go played through this. Slal- it's a slalom race, right? Like, so you're going Oh, wait, through- no, I've definitely played yes. this. Okay. Oh, yeah, I've definitely okay, yeah. played this. I was like, you have to have played this. And then... At a certain point, if you're doing oh, all the yep. comes it's all coming back to me now. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Me and my yeti. sister used to play this game. Mm-hmm. I guess yeah. I just like haven't seen this game in like two decades. I think about this <laughs> yeah. game probably more than more I than should. you should. I do too, Simon. It's okay. <laughs> Are you saying you want to play this on our next after yes. hours? Oh stream? my yeah. god! Oh yes! <gasps> yes. <laughs> I'm very excited. About there we this. go. That's it. We're gonna play ski free, everybody. It's great. It's great. Big fan. <laughs> um okay so i haven't been playing too much of anything over the last week since we last chatted when i you know 100 percented um journey to the savage planet which love that game how long did that take um about 20 hours okay to 100 percent it's not too bad to finish the game if you don't do all of the extra stuff is probably like 10 to 15 you could run through it and gonna do it they have an achievement to run through the game in less than four hours um, mm. It was interesting because in the text, it's like, see you at um, um, Games Done Quick, GDQ. Isn't there like another letter in the acronym for that competition? I yeah, there so. is. GDDQ for some reason? GGDQ? There is There is another one. Games Done Quick. Good Games? GG. Yeah, I think it might be Good Games Done Quick. Good Games Done Quick. Yeah. And, and so they it was a, it's a cute little like um, uh, nod to... Hmm you know, speedrunners, but um, I really enjoyed that game, but obviously now I'm, I'm finished with it, done. And I haven't really figured out what I wanted to play in the meantime. So I decided it's been a long time since I've gone back to Washington, D.C., and episode three for The Division 2 is on the horizon. So I decided to install the update and check out everything that uh, Massive and Ubisoft have added to the game since launch and I've been really having a good time with it really reminding me what I loved so much about my time with the division I almost played the division two more than destiny two last year that's how much of the division I played and it was definitely one of my favorite games of 2019 but it had its issues um you know not just from a technical standpoint, which some of those issues are still present, which is kind of crazy to me, especially some of the audio issues that I was running into. Um, but there was just some things that kind of felt like they weren't as um, weren't as complete or as appealing as I wanted them to be. And I really just never got the draw to go back and finish the raid, which I was really hoping to get because I felt it was so punishing for console players when it first came out that I got really discouraged from wanting to go mm. back and you needed eight people to play, which is, it's hard enough to get six people to do a raid in destiny. Like getting eight people to do a raid in the division two is like, and to have, make sure that they all have the right gear score and yeah. the right gear loadouts and all that. It was like infinitely more complicated. And so I was just like, you know what? I'm going to just grind and get high level gear. And then eventually I'll come back and, and do the raid when I can just kind of breeze through it. But that moment hasn't happened because while they have made advancements and changes to the way the gear score works in the division two, it isn't quite where I would want it to be in order for me to feel the chase to want to get specific gear. But they announced uh, a couple of days ago, I believe it was last week that they showed a trailer for the upcoming episode three, which is happening uh, this month. 
and it brings us to Coney Island in Brooklyn. Hmm. That's cool. Yeah. So the Division One, of course, set in New York. And so this is a, a nod to all of the events that were happening there. Um, episode three is free to everybody who owns the Division Two. Uh, it's going to add two new main missions set in the Coney Island ballpark and the amusement park. And Massive says that it's going to push the story ahead significantly. Um, according to PC Games N, you're going to be searching for a scientist who may have a cure for the pandemic green poison super virus that's been unleashed on the world. And the heavily armed Black Tusk, which is the like super faction, is holding this guy somewhere in Coney Island. Until they rebrand to the coalition. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so you're going to see some nods to the cleaners gang that you found in the division one. And of course they've brought their flamethrowers with them, which is going to be a pain in the neck. <laughs> and um, there's going to also be a new weapon. The K8 Jetstream flamethrower is going to be the new signature weapon. It's limited to about 15 meters in range. And the specialization will give you a new skill variant for the shield that lets you double up and carry both the flamethrower and the shield at the same time, which sounds pretty boss mm. actually. Mm. Yeah. I've not used the shield at all in the division two because I feel like it's completely worthless. I don't think I, I ever did either. I never did either. Yeah. I was like, no, there's to me, it's like, it's all about, I'm all about the, <laughs> the best launcher. defense is a good offense. <laughs> yeah. Or a good cover mechanic. Or yeah, you could just hide. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the division two really punishes you for face tanking. So it's like, why bother? That explains why I was so bad at the game all the time. Oh, Brit. No. Yeah, Brit's our resident face tanker. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. It's a good life. I live. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, you, if you were trying to run and gun, like, you just would get mowed down. Like, yeah. each, uh, uh, NPCs just eat your shield. So it's, it's like you really have to stay in cover all the time. I was going to make yeah. another, like, zombie noise, and I decided against it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, I forgot it. No, it's. A... <laughs> Shout out to Doom. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, they're bringing in a new exotic weapon called the chameleon, which is an assault rifle that adds a buff as you land specific kinds of hits. Uh, the adaptive instinct talents add buffs to a critical hit chance and a bunch of other like kind of nitpicky things. If you guys want to check out all of the details on what's happening with the update, you can of course either head to massive site, Ubisoft site or the division two subreddit. I'm not going to go through all that stuff right now because it's a little in the weeds, but, um, I've just been really enjoying getting back into the game and, they must have done some kind of visual patch because the game looks a lot better. The frame rate looks better. And overall, they did some tweaks to uh, some of the gamma and brightness settings in the game. And it just looks really pretty. I mean, the Division 2 always looked pretty, but it, like, it has like a fresh coat of paint on it, which mm. is crazy. Yeah, it was really pretty. Like they made it so much more colorful, which I really appreciated. Also, I felt like the setting was just, they made it, I don't know, it's super pretty compared to the first game if you haven't played. Mm -hmm. Yes. They put flowers in. I think that setting it in DC Mm -hmm. and having some more outdoor areas where there's grass instead Mm -hmm. of just all concrete of New York Mm -hmm. absolutely helped. And Brittany and I had the amazing opportunity to go with Ubisoft on a tour of Washington, D.C. with the development team last year. So we got to see some of these real-world locations that they really fantastically recreated in the game. And so now that I've gone to a couple of these new mission areas and and seen some new places, like there's uh, one of the newer missions is set in the zoo that's in Washington, D.C. And it's a really cool mission. It makes me want to go back to D.C. and go Mm. to the zoo just so I can like check out all these things that were in the game. Are there but, animals or are they all dead? Uh, there are. Yes, there are animals. <sighs> Actually, there was this one Good. section where this monkey kept following us around. And uh, the person that I was playing with kept trying to shoot it, but you can't, you can't shoot the monkey. I, I mean, yeah. Otherwise, what a jerk. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, there are, there's a lot of random animals running around in DC. Yeah. Deer. Just, Dogs. just throw up. Yeah. Birds. Just throw up. They just throw them in the game. So oh. I'm saying, I, said throw, I, throw I was like, I was like deer throw up. Throw up when you see deer. <laughs> All right, sure. What a new mechanic, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> but it did remind me that there's a lot of people in the agents of WGG clan that haven't logged in, and so if you are interested in playing and you want to get back in the game, let me know. I would like to turn around and play more and, and catch up on everything before episode three comes out because we know we've got some time now to maybe sink some sink some hours in. What's maybe the actually next do game that that's raid? coming out. Uh, the next big game. I have no idea. I used to have a list that I would put and update all the time, but I haven't done that in a while. We got okay, a lot of other people Dreams, yeah. Darksiders on the 14th, if you haven't played those yet. Um, then I got Animal Crossing Doom Eternal on March 20th and Fairy Tale on March 19th. Let's go. So They're all good, all good games. Like yeah, all of these. February is kind of quiet yeah. for, for big releases. Mm-hmm. Good, because I'm busy. Yeah. And it'll give dreams a chance. Play dreams, please. Give, give dreams a chance. Yeah, Maybe that should be their tagline. <laughs> <laughs> please. Please give yeah, dreams, dreams a chance. So have you been playing in early access? Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think For like about a, it? Yeah. <laughs> I, um, I think dreams is just incredible. Like every time that I played it, I'm like, I can't believe you've made this and then it functions this way. Uh, but I can't create. Like I'm really bad at it. So Same. I will sometimes just jump in there and they have basically like for anyone who hasn't tried it, like a randomization option where it just randomizes some of the uh, best rated games. And it's cool playing it that way because you can have basically like chapters like there's this one that's a, an RPG where you like have to go fight a dragon and get a sword and do all that kind of stuff. But it's in chapters. So when you're randomizing, it gives you one game and then gives you one chapter of that and then gives you another game and then gives you the second chapter. So it's like it just spaces all these games out. And I find that really pleasant yeah. to play. People have made some incredible stuff like innovative incredible stuff that i i wouldn't have even thought was um possible it's it's super super cool yeah i, I just like wanted I to go, go in back. there and just see the stuff other people have made. like i don't think i can make anything no i can't it's really hard in dreams frankly like i think it's super difficult yeah like, more so than little big planet or whatever but people who are good at it are so good at it it's I it's not the patience I tried my hand at JRPG yeah. maker or back the in the day. Couldn't do that. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I make a lot of, like, stuff in Minecraft, and I've spent so much time doing that, but I feel like in Minecraft it's just, like, exceptionally easy. Blocks. Whereas, like... It's just, yeah, it's Lego. Yeah, pretty burp, much. Burp, burp. Yeah. True, and I I do think that the tool set that they've made in Dreams is super uh, comprehensive, and um, it's very intuitive for the most part, but I just my brain just doesn't work that way. So yeah. I'm with you that I really... Uh, appreciate the work that media molecule has put into all of the tools that creators can use to make awesome stuff in dreams it's just not for me but in fairness i haven't picked it up since like the first month of early access mm-hmm. so the, there's a whole lot of games yeah. that i haven't seen like and horror games and like there's a guitar hero type like where someone's made a song and then made an actual rhythm game where you just tap buttons like it's just it's so much variety but i'm also really excited to see that campaign because we've seen bits oh of it, but I yeah played. absolutely and they announced um it was either last week or earlier this week that if you have an early access code if you bought in you get upgraded automatically to the full version starting february 11th so next week the creator patch goes live and you'll be able to play and enjoy all of the new features coming with the official launch of dreams so if you did get into early access and you haven't played for a while maybe Next week is the time to uh, to get back in. Yeah. I guess I'll have to, to check out. 
what's been going on in uh, in the land of dreams. Mm. And uh, Steimer, mm. you also haven't been playing too much because Correct. you've been watching a bunch of other people I've play been, video games. I have. I've been watching people much better than me play video <laughs> games. <laughs> um, so for those who are maybe unawares, uh, I do work for Riot Games. And part of my job now uh, this year has been a little bit more leaning into the esports side. Um, so I've been watching... So far, I mean, granted, it's only been on for a couple of weeks, but I've watched every LEC and every LCS match, which means LEC is the European basically version of LCS. Uh, League European Championship, I believe, is what it stands for. And they're on Fridays and Saturdays, and then we, LCS, are on Saturdays, Sundays, and Mondays. So it's a lot of stuff to watch, uh, but it has been very fun, and it's been really interesting to kind of watch, especially the beginning few weeks uh because everyone all of the teams are still trying to figure well not all of them but a lot of them are new rosters and people so they're trying to get their teamwork together and it's just very amusing sometimes (laughs) to watch it all pan out or not pan out um but yeah so that's mostly what i have been doing it's do you feel like watching all of these different teams play that you are picking up pointers and things from the games and learning from them or do you find it just more interesting to watch super high level play i mean i learned definitely more about the game in terms of just structure not necessarily specific champions and how to better play them i mean yes i guess that kind of comes to a little bit but for the most part the the picks that the the pro players have are not like what regular people will play like it's some weird shit sometimes, (laughs) (laughs) which is part of the amusing part, right? It's part of their strategy too, though, right? Yeah, exactly. Like last year, I didn't watch very much last year. I watched the beginning before summer finals because I was working summer finals. Um, And I was like, I guess I should watch. (laughs) (laughs) This thing Uh, I work for. This thing I work for, maybe I should give it a go. (laughs) Uh, But it was that there was a weird meta thing of like Sona, who is a support being the 80 carry who is supposed to, and then uh, Tarek, who is also a support. Like it basically was a double support bot lane. Um, If you have, don't play MOBAs. I'm very sorry. (laughs) No idea. (laughs) It's a lot of jargon. Yeah. Yeah. But basically two support characters, instead of having a damage and a support and it Mm. worked, but it only works if you have, these specific conditions and these players that can know how they play with each other. Know exactly yeah. how they play with, they, mm-hmm. with all the other champions um, are on a team with comms. Like, you know, like it's takes a lot to make it work, but I find it interesting. interesting. So if they have a double support, then do they focus their damage dealers as like a jungler or do they have somebody like, where does like the da- where where does yeah, the DPS you can. person play? It's, like um, mid or? I mean, honestly, any, any of the other ladies. Yeah. <laughs> like, Literally where else? You can have, yeah, you can have a mid laner that's really strong. Um, top lane, I guess. I mean, honestly, like they can flex pick a lot of those things where like the top can be more tanky or they can just be um, more magey and like, pew pew that's what i like to that's what i like to call it. Amazing. <laughs> um and junglers is really only like i feel like they only pick like four <laughs> it's like four or five are like the ones i'm like they're either on gragas last year was sejuani always like there's just like a few picks where you're just like those are the jungles mm-hmm. that i'll see mm-hmm. and that's it um this year was starting out a little bit like last year and i was like 
I want to see something new. And then they busted out a Soraka top. And I was like, I don't know what this is. This is crazy. Soraka is <laughs> also a support. <laughs> and <laughs> her going top lane. It's just interesting to be like, okay, well, we'll pick these people and put them here. And it's mostly for sustain because you can't actually chunk them down the mm-hmm. way you could any other player or any other champion. Because it's just like, ha yeah, I heal myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get wrecked. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's been really, really fun um, for me to kind of watch and learn all about the production and the what goes into it. Was and that a um the one hundred thieves cash up compound launch oh, party? Yeah. The other I did week? not go to that, but yeah, yeah. And they have a particular room that is literally for uh training league, mm-hmm. and it was closed because they were like they had a sign on the door that was like they're literally training for a match tomorrow. Do not come in, and that was the oh, only funny. one that was closed. There was just yeah. players in there while there's this party, just like <laughs> playing league. Yeah, like, it's cool. That's, I respect it because that was on a Friday, right? Yeah, yeah. They they definitely had matches that Saturday. Yeah. I think they. Maybe one one of them. I don't remember. Hmm. Hundred Thieves been a little spot and go. They're yeah, they've been the... like that for every well, game so far. Their their claim to fame is their Fortnite players, right? Hundred Thieves like they're I much th- more of a Fortnite organization. One caught and then dropped out because the buy-in's so expensive. Yeah. Um, and then maybe sort of got back on board and have been doing okay. But like with League, they like signed like a couple of players who are really successful, but just didn't work with the team that they had and had to like restructure. And yeah, they do have really good Fortnite players as well, but I think COD was a big one for them initially, but like it's, it's nuts watching how all this stuff works where like one player doesn't work the way you think. And he's one of the best in the world, but he doesn't work with that team. And yeah, yeah. Them, them figuring it really that stuff out is, is all about like, the teamwork between yeah. people and like whether or not these people get along. Um, and I feel like that's like, it sucks. Cause that's why they keep being like, well, we can't have women because what if one of them has a crush what, what if one of the boys what if one of them has her? feelings? Oh they ruined the team dynamic. <laughs> like that's like a I thing mean, where like I don't think any of the 100 thieves players have any f- women on their teams. But it's just they just keep being like, but team dynamics. Like women don't ruin teams. <laughs> it doesn't no. happen that way. Ow. It's just called being professional. Yeah. You know, it's like Ow. like if you're going to have a, a, a team dynamic that's upset by somebody, like like. I feel like you have to check that at the door when you're totally. a professional player. But she has boobs. I can't help it. Well, that's <laughs> the bigger that's what issue. When you have seventeen-year-olds barriers is really what it yeah. is. Like there's because there's a lot of imports from other um, countries. Countries, so that can be a, a you know obviously something that makes or breaks a team is yeah. how well can you actually communicate and understand each other. I, you know, nuts. I never stopped to think about that because. It, a lot of the top level teams you see generally aren't mixed origin. They're usually all from the same country, probably for that reason. Because when you're scrimming for what, what, 10 to 15 hours a day, like in prep for a really major tournament, like I can't imagine trying to deal with any kind of a language it's barrier. It's nuts because like I watch a lot of soccer and in the Premier League, like some of those teams have people who absolutely can't speak English, but their coach does. But their coach also speaks one other language. Like mm. loads of them can't properly communicate. So they just learn enough generally to be able to cu- communicate about the game specifically and nothing else, which is crazy when you've got like 20 players and like half of them are Brazilian and then some of them are German. And there's a Japanese guy and they just can't talk to each <laughs> they're other. just like, we don't, yeah. But they're winning. But, like, but, we're, but we're really good. Yeah. <laughs> they just all it's, learn it's hand signals so yeah, yeah, pretty much. Fine. yeah it's crazy well that's fascinating yeah. so do you have any teams that you enjoy watching more than others or is it like a, oh i can't ever pick a favorite i mean for lcs i don't have a favorite team yet uh because i think there's a there's a couple new faces um or like they're old but returning i guess <laughs> like immortals is here evil geniuses is back like um and FlyQuest is completely rebranded, which I actually really like their rebrand. But so for me, I'm kind of just like, 
feeling it out. And we'll see. Uh, for LEC, I think G2 is the most fun to watch because those players, I remember when I got to meet them, or a couple of them last year, and they're just so sweet, so nice. And then the way that they play, you can just tell that they're having so much fun together. It's hmm. really nice to watch. Hmm. Um, so they are definitely my favorite LEC team. Although what's funny is on some of the graphics packages, there's a team called Rogue in LEC. And it doesn't look like this on the color logo, but it's like a, it's, it's a rogue. It's like a dude in a mask. But on the um, kind of transparent one where it's just the black outline and it, they put it up against like the purple, it kind of looks like a Krogan. <laughs> and so I, I keep looking at it and I'm like, it kind of looks like Rex. <laughs> oh, Rex. Oh, my Rex died. All right, people. I miss you so much. Oh, no. What? You didn't go back and play and keep him alive? No, I refused to do that with Mass Effect. I was like, I refuse. Hey, that's my own face. It is. It's definitely your <laughs> face. Uh, I, yeah, I refused to do it because I wanted it to all feel permanent. But when Rex wow. died, I had to, and I fucking hated Ashley anyway, I had to put the controller down and like take a breather and go for a walk. I was like, wow. I'm upset about what just happened here. Oh my God. So That's I made sure she died. No, see, I, I, well, I also killed her. That save up. Mm. No, but you would have to go replay and like respec your points. Cause you needed a certain number of, I think it was charisma. Maybe? Uh, it was, well, or they had two different it ones. It was yeah. like, it was charm like- and oh, shit. Whatever the antagonistic version of charm is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, intimidate. Maybe. I don't remember yeah. exactly, but something along yeah. those lines. And they had two separate ones. And you had to fully invest basically in one or the other. Thankfully, I always picked charm, so I was fine. I ha- I, that, I also invested in that, but I guess just not enough. Not enough. It had to, yeah. You had to be really heavily, like, super charming, which sucks because Rex is he was the best man. I'm Rex still, I'm still really sad about him. Sorry, it could be one of the other Krogans. <laughs> <laughs> there's so many Krogans. That's the point. <laughs> there's not many actually. Oh, true. They're all dying, they are out. dying out. <laughs> Reproduce, man. It's bad. The Genophase, not man. Anymore. Oh. Not anymore. Anyways, you could just do a whole a whole episode talking about Mass Effect. Yeah, how mm. shitty is Ashley? I had a friend who played through it, and the whole time she had never said anything bad at all. And then I was like, just like go talk to her in the ship. Like she'll trust me. And he yeah. was like, I don't know why everyone talks like she's like she's this, a space racist. This weird space yeah. racist. I don't get it. And then like I was sitting next to him, and he goes and talks to her, and she's like, I don't trust that guy. And he was like, Oh no, oh, <laughs> oh no, it here it comes. Oh, oh no. it's happened. <laughs> she fucking sucks. I'm still very pale. Kill her. Yes. yes, that's why I had a playthrough where I romanced her. Kept her alive, romanced her, so I could dump her <gasps> for Miranda. Oh, that's petty. I love it. Very it was good. really good. That's I good. never thought about doing something like that's that. That's where my brain goes. I like very that. Ridiculous. I like that. Yeah. Don't think, cross me. I think that was my problem. Is I tried to play that two straight Paragon the whole time. I never once did a, a Renegade oh, playthrough. Really? Oh, I did. No, I well, didn't either. I did a full Renegade playthrough with that one particular, but then I also would just pick random Renegade moments, even when if I was Paragon mostly. That's what I do. I would just be like fuck off no. i like <laughs> try very hard to role play in a way that i'm like literally what would shepherd do I, like, yes. i've created this shepherd what would they do and that's how i choose generally in every rpg is like i won't go full good or full bad i'm like very much like what is this person going through right now and how will they make decisions and that was why like outer worlds like sometimes the, the choices in that game i have to think for like 30 minutes and be like, <laughs> okay, what would i do i actually did that too. how do they feel yeah, about this yes. like this is so hot there's <laughs> like a lot of pressure there was one thing that i had to reboot because i was i was like wait because in my head i was like i think i can work around this mm-hmm. i'm not gonna say what it is because it's it's one of the ones towards the end of the game and i was like i don't want to do the thing they're telling me to do but i feel like i can maybe trick them but then i went and did the thing hoping that there would be a, a trick along the way and there no. was not oh, <laughs> and i was yeah. like uh, no 
nope, reboot. <laughs> Real, let's reload that save because I don't want to do that. Yeah. Thought I was being sneaky and uh, nope. Out of Wilds is very good. Mm-hmm. And Wilds, both very good. Playbook. Yeah. <laughs> I did not like Outer Wilds, but I also... Really? Didn't. It was the controls. Oh, yeah. It's very difficult. I was like, I can't... No. But once you get used to it, I feel like the payoff <laughs> is very well worth it. But I, I appreciate thought the concept mm. that is there. Landing, not good. <laughs> I'm not good at it. <laughs> really, really not good. It's just crash into the planet. Pretty much every time. Yeah. Every time, I'm yeah. just like, oh, I'm, he- oh, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I landed. I, I mean, I... I'm here and alive still. <laughs> it's got to count for something. Mm-hmm. Well, this has been a very interesting conversation that went to many different places. But that's what What's Good Games is all about. You're not wrong. Space racism, everybody. <laughs> it's a bad thing. Well, Alana, it's been great to have you back on the show. Thank you. And now that the studio is here in Southern California and you are here in Southern California, hopefully we'll see a lot more of you. Sure. If people want to find out what you're up to, you're, of course, still working over at Funhouse, mm-hmm. but you're doing a bunch of other stuff too, right? Yeah, I'm also at Inside Gaming. I do most of our writing there. I'm less on camera, so people get very confused confused about that sometimes the person on the camera is not the one who wrote the thing um but i'm also on all social media as charlanazard and on youtube and i also am wearing this shirt which is my first time ever having much it actually has not officially launched i just thought i would just show it to you guys it's so cute uh, I'll You're be holding yeah, it's supposed to look like me um as a pokemon trainer holding two koalas let as, me like, take pokemon. a photo so that way i can put it in close up <laughs> Oh, that is yeah. adorable. Do you want a close-up of her boobs? Well, yes. I'm not just taking a photo of your boobs. You're in the, your face is in the photo. But, yeah, I'm going to be selling them later this week, which I guess will I guess be around so the time the show comes this, out. Yeah. So um, go to your Twitter or go to where? Yeah, yeah. And uh, 100% of proceeds are going towards Wires, which is an Australian charity. So I'm very excited oh, about it. That's fantastic. Yeah, should be fun. And it's a super cute shirt. So I if you guys are in the mood for some merch yeah. to help some, some animals and some people mm-hmm. who are They being- still definitely need the help yes 100 percent. and again we will have those links for her socials in the description of the show notes and if you haven't yet subscribed to alana's youtube channel she t- does a lot of really fun videos over there God, you ha- you hit a big milestone recently didn't you like two hundred fifty thousand. i just hit 315 oh dang oh. girl congratulations yeah. thank you it's been fun so yeah, go watch her stuff. She's great. You want. Not that we have to tell you guys that. You already know. <laughs> um, all right, that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, we have our special Games of the Decade episode next week, so keep your eyes out for that. And then we will be back in the studio the following week ahead of PAX East. So much exciting stuff coming. But for now, enjoy your weekend, and we'll see you next time. Bye, everybody.